Hello, hi, so welcome to Collapse Talk. This is Gabriel Marrero. I'm glad you could join me uh, considering the circumstances, but let's be honest, you know, those of us who truly pay attention aren't really shocked or surprised. I mean, it sucks. It really does, but this was what it was going to come to this. We all knew that. So again, you know, we're just uh, living in the wake of this monumental and just astounding uh, court case to this decision from the Supreme Court. I mean, this is quite literally a coup that we're witnessing. Many people aren't, you know, saying you know what it is, but it, this is what's happening. It's a coup, you know, with the Republicans appointing these judges and then the, the judges lying over under oath, you know, because uh, out of four of them, they already said that Roe v. Wade was a super precedent and then they just overturned it. So again, this is very obviously politically motivated, at the very least religiously motivated, which that alone should disqualify these judges. But hey, we're living in the, the twilight zone and the upside down. And yeah, you know, things aren't great. And again, this is the collapse and things are accelerating. And uh, who knows where things are going to go. But again, you know, I'm glad that y'all are here listening uh, with my takes on this, and we're just going to have to follow this journey because, again, you know, uh, this is a, uh, I don't even know how to put it, how to frame it, because, like, you couldn't get a clearer sign that we're literally in a Christian fascist state, a white supremacist Christian fascist state, you know, women are quite literally second-class citizens now, I mean, even in the states where abortion is legal, they still have to live under the specter of the national ban that the GOP wants to make, and they will get it, because they get everything that they want, uh, so that's just where, you know, I, I don't want to spread doomerism about this, you know, we certainly have to mobilize and fight this, but let's be real, okay, because the Democrats are going to fucking lose this midterm, they really are, and, you know, the, I mean, they had the chance to do this, they, they, they had to fucking get this done, and they didn't, because they wanted to keep that that's the only way that they could get the the, fun, the funding, right? The fundraising. I mean, they literally send out the texts and emails like like they had it ready. They knew it was going to come. So it's just like what it is like. This is all planned, you know, <laughs> it's just like, oh, we're very saddened. And oh, this is just an urgent time. We have to like, dude, like there's literally clips now of Obama when he was campaigning in 2007 saying that first order of business is to codify Roe v. Wade. And then once he's in office, oh, well, you see, because we have higher priorities and all. Like, it's just like, and then, like, even all those eight years, he never once said, okay. Because, I mean, you know, at the start of his presidency, he was dealing with this economic crisis. So, okay, just deal with that. And now that the crisis has gone away, hey, so now that you dealt with that, can you codify Roe v. Wade? Oh, you see, because, oh, oh. So they don't care, okay? This is my point with Democrats for a long time. This is why I didn't vote for them last uh, election. I didn't vote for Joe Biden. Uh, so, you know, again, it's just like this is not a, you know, <laughs> again, for those of you who don't know, I did vote for Joe Jorgensen purely because she said she would abolish the ATF. That's that was my single issue, gun rights, because the collapse is here. So, like, I need to be armed. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, I, I, just, I just don't like Again, you know, I feel terrible for the women. Like, all the women that I follow on social media are petrified. They're so afraid. And then it's also telling because there's a couple of guys that I follow that they might make a little comment. I'm, like, I'm furious. And, like, I, it, it's no secret that I'm pissed off about this on social media. I'm very much, like, upfront about 
what I am. And I'm not doing this because, like, I'm trying to win favor with women. No, this is seriously fucked up. Okay? It is. All right? And, you know, not just because of the human rights angle, because, like, the UN deems forced birth as a crime against humanity. So, I mean, there's that, which is a huge factor. But then it's also the political angle. It's Christian fascism. It's rearing its head. It's here. I mean, it's always been here, but it's full on mask off. Like, it's right there in front of you. And then again, it's like, oh, no, but Russia and China. Like, dude, it's right there. And I'm talking specifically to liberals. I'm talking specifically to the blue MAGA, the K-Hive. Jesus Christ. Then they're like, they're all projecting and they're all going back to 2016 talking about, oh, well, you see, not enough people voted for Hillary Clinton. Bro, she was a terrible candidate. You guys fucked over Bernie Sanders because he actually had momentum. You guys stuck with the establishment and the establishment does not want to improve things. They don't care about us. All right. They don't care. Again, man, you know, I work for uh, this company called Grass Vo- Grassroots Voter Outreach. And so I call for fundraising. And today we were calling for HRC and Planned Parenthood. And OK, so like the decision came out on Thursday which was like the day after my birthday. No, Friday. It's my birthday's Thursday. <laughs> yeah, I turned 26. Hooray, no health insurance. Um, the decision came out, and like quite literally, it came out like right as the shift started. And uh, of course, I was taking a break, but I was just like, looked, I looked at the announcement, and I looked at the time, and I'm like, oh man, this is going to be awkward. Because like, like, dude, like, you know, again, like I live in a constant state of doom, so like this isn't a surprise for me, but the people that I work with are very much like, they're normies, okay? <laughs> They're well-meaning people, optimistic people, and they haven't fully processed that things are falling apart. So, yeah, I, I would imagine that this ruling would have actually shocked them. So, again, you know, that's just the state of affairs. And, again, like, you know, online, like, I've just been on the warpath and just dealing with trolls. And, like, I, I posted a meme. If y'all peruse history memes, I posted a meme of... uh uh, the Soviet Union, you know, because they were the first to codify uh, abortions. And, like, all these people are just coming out just like, oh, okay, well, I guess the Soviet Union did one good thing. We got to let go of all these other bad things. And I'm just like, I didn't say that, but sure, go ahead. You know, it's just like, oh, no, we have to, oh, because the Soviet Union did one good thing, and I guess we can absolve all the bad things they did, right? But then you make a negative comment about the United States. Oh, well, the United States only did one bad thing. Just one bad thing. <laughs> that's to, to them, that's one bad thing. Oh, well, everybody else does it. Or, oh, well, we just got to let go of all the things that they've done. Like, or, you know, it's just like, again, I this is my fault for, like, trying to have reasonable conversations and uh, assuming that people actually, like, give a shit, you know, about human rights and shit. Again, I'm not saying that the Soviet Union hasn't committed crimes against humanity. They, they did, like. It's just like it's impossible to have a state and not commit war crimes. It just happens, okay? But Jesus fucking Christ, man! Like, I, I don't, I'm getting distracted because I want to sp- focus on this. But yeah, the Soviet Union uh, legalized abortions, or they codified it, because uh, one of the points that people were making is that abortion was available uh, in the United States up until Roe v. Wade. But the the whole point that I was making was the Soviet Union was the first to say women have the right to an abortion. They do. Now, of course, in the 30s, they they took that back. And so there's, yeah, there's, you know, discrepancies. I'm aware of that. But the first nation to say, no, women, they need access to abortions was the Soviet Union. Okay. And that, that should not be forgotten. 
Because look at where now. Look at where now. The women's bodies are a states' rights issue now. Oh no, because we got to protect the abortion. We got to protect the babies and more. like, literally, like when I said, uh, "Hey, you know, forced births are like a literal crime against humanity." Like they're, they're these fucking incels. They're coming out saying, "Well, see, nobody's forcing you to have sex. Nobody's like this is what it fucking mean, man. These people they hate women who don't have sex with them. Okay, now listen, I never get laid. Nobody ever hits me up. Okay, so like. I'm, I'm, I guess technically I'm an incel, whatever, but you know, it's like, you know, if I get turned down, like I've had to deal with rejection sensitivity, but it's never like, fuck this bitch. Like I've never get like that. Okay. It's more just like, I get hard on myself because I'm just like, oh, I'm inadequate. Oh, what I got to do this. Like, and a lot of the times it's just like, she's not feeling it. It's like, it's like, I, I take things too personally and that's something I have to deal with. But at the very least, I don't want to turn women into second class citizens. I don't want a state mandated wife. <laughs> Like, Jesus Christ, dude. I, like, arranged marriages. Like, I, I really steer clear from, like, because, you know, my my mom, and she tries to, like, hey, you know, you should check out with this girl. I'm like, no, I don't want arranged anything. No, I want to earn it. Okay? And again, you know, I'm getting a little too personal, but it's more just like, Jesus Christ, these guys are fucking creeps and weirdos. It's just like, well, nobody's forcing you to have sex. Huh. Nobody, you know, you, you need personal responsibility, you know? Um, right, because parenthood is a punitive sentence to these people, Right? Like, here's what I was thinking. It's just like, hey, you know, if somebody is irresponsible with sex, what makes you think they're going to be a good parent? <laughs> like, seriously. And, and I'm not saying this in like a eugenic sense because it's just like that. That's very easy to get into that, you know, to that rabbit hole. But it's just like, well, what makes you think forcing somebody to have a baby that they're not ready for, that they can't sustain? What makes you think that that's going to help things? And then watch, you're going to have protective services, child protective services come around because clearly they can't take care of this baby. And they didn't have access to abortion, so now they had this baby that they can't take care of. And then the child, the foster care, whatever, they come through. Oh, well, we got to take your baby away because you can't provide for it. And that's your fault, even though, like, we took away your right to terminate the pregnancy and you wouldn't be in this position. And then the kid goes into the foster care system. And that is, like, not something that they should, like, the, the American foster care system is horrible. It's horrific. And, and like... There's going to be a backlog. All these people are talking about, oh, we'll, we'll adopt your kid. Don't abort your babies. Hey, why don't you adopt the kid right now? I mean, again, these these weirdos, they, they shouldn't be adopting children. But it's just like, like, even some people were operating under the assumption that, like, we actually have measures and benefits like maternity leave and, uh, you know, daycare, like, you know, paid for. Pre it's just like that. Uh, I'm getting flustered because it's just like so upsetting. Yeah. And, you know, I was um, hanging out with uh, a friend's place, you know, just for like the birthday weekend. And like I he was working and I'm just like, I looked at the phone. I just go to him and like, hey, don't want to kill the vibe. But yeah, uh, Roe v. Wade's been overturned. So, you know, again, it's just no surprise. And then it's not only that, you know, they, they also made some rulings about the Miranda rights. So like police don't have to tell you your rights. So like... <laughs> They, they, again, they like like you still have those rights. They just don't have to tell you. That is fun. Uh, they also uh, ruled that uh, states can't deny religious schools state funding, which is also great. I mean, I bet you Republicans are going to love uh, state funding for Islamic schools, right? <laughs> right. Today they just ruled that like public school teachers can lead uh, prayer sessions now. Like what the fuck? 
Like, imagine now you're going to a public school. You have to do the Pledge of Allegiance, and then, like, the teacher's also saying, okay, and now we're going to have to make a, a prayer for the day, and, oh, thank you, Jesus Christ. And, like, watch, there's, like, a Hindu kid, a Muslim kid. He's like, what the fuck do I do? Uh, like, literally, like, I was an atheist. I mean, I am an atheist, and I was a, pretty much, like, an atheist edlord, edgelord through high school. But it's, like, even if I express my opinion saying, like, I'm an atheist, I don't want to pray, it's, like, that is, gets all this kind of judgment and, like, yeah, man, it's just, yeah, not good. And they also had gun law rulings, so states can't, again, they're all about states' rights, right? But the state, like, it's not like, from what I understand, it's, they, the states uh, can't create systems that, you know, where they can deem who can have weapons, right? It's like a may uh, permit or shall permit. And so the Supreme Court ruled that they have to, like, they shall permit. I, again, I'm a bit muddy on that because, like, to be honest, like, whatever, because, like, it, it sucks. But, of course, like, I was more focused on uh, this Roe v. Wade ruling and, you know, the aftermath from that. And um, we're already seeing the effects. We're already, we're already seeing the effects of it. Like, already clinics in Canada, possibly Mexico, are already backlogged. Uh, the blue states that are allowing abortions are also getting backlogged. And... Um, Basically, what's going to happen now is it's just going to be an underground railroad for, um, you know, people who want to terminate pregnancies, either transporting them out of state or providing, you know, smuggling in, uh, you know, uh, oral uh, medication or, you know, it's just, again, like we're entering a horrific time period and there are people who are genuinely happy about that. Like they're giddy. Like. Again, there's people who are, they're, they're happy about it because, oh, this is a victory for pro-life. Oh, this is a victory. And, but uh, there are also people who are like genuinely happy that women are terrified right now. They are. Like, I literally, like, there was one guy commenting on my, um, on that beam I posted on history memes and he was like, ha, yeah, cope and seethe. Now we're going to go for a full wide nation ban. And I just called him a rapist because that's a rapist mentality. And I got banned because they're like, oh, you mean, I, he had a shit opinion, but you can't call him a rapist. And I'm like, you know what? You're a fucking rapist for defending him. How about that? I don't care anymore. It's just like, how the fuck do we allow this shit? And then people go out on the street saying, hey, we um, we don't want to turn women to second class citizens. And then all these fucking videos now of cops clearly bashing people in, shooting them in the face, pepper spraying. Right. Protect and serve. Right. Oh, no, we got to maintain law and order. These guys came out with, like, all this riot gear, like, stormtroopers. They had snipers out uh, on, it, like, buildings is what they were reporting. Like, I saw a video of, like, the state capitol building. They had people firing tear gas grenades from the windows. Like, and this is in response to protests over abortion rights. Do you see, like, dude, like, this is it. Like, oh, my God. And, again, land of the free. We're gonna We're about to have 4th of July. And, of course, like... Uh, I'm going to get some invitations, right, to some barbecue event. Oh, let's go. Cool. No, fuck that. I'm not proud to be an American right now. I'm not. And you know what? Like, you, you want me to leave the country? Buy me a fucking ticket. I'll go to Cuba. I don't care anymore. I, I really don't fucking care. Jesus Christ, man. This is terrible, man. The way that we have to live. And we just have to live with it. Oh, well, you see, because, well, the Constitution doesn't guarantee the, the right to an abortion, you know. And you see, like, these constitutional originalists that it's all about the legal semantics. They don't care about ethics. They, to them, the ethics doesn't really matter because the legalists, they, they, yeah, they're legalists, right? So the letter of the law is all that matters, okay? Don't consider any ethics or morality, right? 
I really wonder what these originalists would have been saying, you know, during the Civil War period and the 13th Amendment was being proposed. Man, I really, I really wonder what they would have been saying. <laughs> Please, man. It's just ridiculous, man. It's a fucking joke of a nation. Like, even um, the G7, like, I'm, I'm reading from uh, some updates from uh, uh, CNN, and I saw recently that they said that the G7, they were concerned. Because, yeah, um, like, normal, like, sane uh, countries, uh, they just guarantee that. Yeah, so I'm reading from CNN. So, G7 leaders, very sad and very worried, following rollback of Roe v. Wade, EU Commission Chief tells CNN. EU Commission Chief Ursula von der Leyen said on Monday that, quote, many voices at the G7 summit were left, quote, very sad and very worried by the U.S. Supreme Court decision to reverse Roe v. Wade. Quote, we have discussed gender equality and indeed there were many voices very sad and very worried, quote, end quote, uh, von der Leyen said when asked by CNN's Christiane Amanpour about the Supreme Court's decision, which repealed the constitutional right to abortion in the U.S., von der Leyen, the only woman leader at the G7 leadership meeting taking place in Germany, called the decision, quote, a setback. Right. Again, like, like we're, we're a fucking joke of a nation, dude. Okay? And it fucking sucks if I have to travel out of the country and then I got to deal with somebody, like, getting on my ass. Like, oh, your people are rolling back like why are you getting mad at me why are you fuck making fun of me i don't want this i don't want to fucking live with this jesus christ one one good thing i will say though is that uh a louisiana judge uh temporarily blocked the state's trigger abortion ban so that's like one sliver of like good news at least today um quote a louisiana judge has blocked the state's trigger law on abortion which took effect on friday just days after the U.S. Supreme Court's uh, overturned Roe v. Wade. Orleans Parish Civil District Court Judge Robin Gerusso issued the temporary restraining order in response to a lawsuit filed Monday morning by the Center of Reproductive Rights and Boyce Schiller Flexner LLP on behalf of the Hope Medical Group for Women and Medical Students for Choice. The lawsuit, which was filed on behalf of Hope Medical Group, uh, in Shreveport, Louisiana, and medical students for choice argue that the trigger bans are unconstitutionally vague, quote, because the trigger bans lack constitutionally required safeguards to prevent arbitrary enforcement, they are void for vagueness, and they, therefore, must be struck down for this separate and independent reason, the suit stated. The temporary restraining order prohibits the state attorney general and the secretary of Louisiana's Department of Health from enforcing or implementing the trigger ban on uh, legislation for now until a hearing is scheduled on July 8th. So, yeah, so now at least women have abortion rights for maybe a week or so in Louisiana. Wow, such such hope there. Man, it's fucking ridiculous. And, and you know, uh, already you're seeing companies coming out there, they're willing to cover travel costs out of state for abortions. So, like, companies are stepping up. Uh, they're also, like, uh, I also read somewhere that Wisconsin, like, they have, like, a really old anti-abortion law, which the Democratic governor said uh, he'll just completely void it. So, I mean, already you're going to see states just, like, not cooperating uh, with it or, you know, they're just going to, like, conspire. Or, you know, it's like there's a real divide now. And these red states and blue states now are just, like, there's a complete rift. This is, like, it's not just abortion. It's, like, politically there's a complete rift now. I mean, I have no, I have no patience for these people anymore. I really don't. I just don't. 
I, I this is not an opinion that I, that is worthy of our time. That is worthy of our respect. It's not okay. So we shouldn't operate on the assumption that we can have a reasonable discussion and you know try to find common ground. No, mm -mm. no, you're either pro-choice or you're not. That's it. And then you know they always put the straw man of late-term abortions, th thinking that like. Oh, you. Oh, so you just want to kill ter terminated baby? You know, like weeks before it's due. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? That barely makes up like one percent of the abortions. Okay, that only happens because of some like medical emergency at that point. You don't really think that a woman is going to put herself through eight years or sorry, eight months of just like God. I can't even like the more I research pregnancy, like the more terrifying it is for me. Like I would, I like the less inclined I am to like put uh my prospective partner down the line if i ever have one through that like i know girls and women who have like talked to me about guys that like they get like into this breeding fetish and it's just like yeah put a baby in you and it's like dude that's fucking creepy and rapey it really is jesus christ man like it's one thing to say like you know when you're talking with your partner hey you know i would like to be a dad but well, we can do it at your pace like that's that's totally normal and very healthy for a relationship. I mean, because, I mean, you want kids, great. That's a discussion you have to have with your partner. But, like, you, you can't insist, I want a kid uh, by this time in my life because, dude, what the fuck, man? What the fuck? It's so fucking weird, man. I again, this is all about owning women. Uh, this idea that, like, women are just, like, because, again, they, they talk about hypersexuality and hookup culture. And, again, you know, like... I do have comments to make about that, but it's more so about like the commodification of sex, which is a lot to do with like marketing and advertising agencies and the media. It's not like women are just fast and loose and oh no, we gotta we gotta rein them back a bit because you know like no, what the fuck? What are you talking about? Jesus Christ, man! Again, you know, I realize that like I never get laid because my life is just a fucking train wreck and I'm clingy and codependent. All right, that's just something I have to work with. And like, I don't know, like how long that will take. Who knows? I mean, I try to put myself out there. I put initiative in. I you know I ask out girls like, I mean, I do I, women. I mean, like it's I do. I ask them out. And again, they just don't see anything in me, which is something that I have to fix. Of course, though, we're living in a collapsing society. So like, I don't really know, like I can't live up to whatever expectations, but whatever. I, I just that's beside the point. But it's just like. Jesus Christ, man, these people, they, you know, instead of like trying to have some self-reflection and self-improvement, you know, maybe working out, getting a job, and I'm not like one of those pull yourself by the bootstrap types, but still like, you, you gotta take your, you know, you gotta get your shit together, right? I'm also talking to myself, but Jesus, man, it's just like, oh no, do I, do I need to have self-reflection and, you know, try to improve myself in order to attract a woman into my life? Nah, let's reduce their rights and make them second-class citizens because uh, I just want to own women and I want to have, you know, I, I want to have a blowjob 3000 plus dishwashing uh, thing that I can have and then it will be at my beck and call. Like, that's the idea. That's making America great again. The, the 50s housewife that, uh, you know, has to, you know, use quaaludes and benzos to, to you know get through the day because like jesus christ she's like a slave she's fucking god i'm sorry man you know one of the reasons why i get so upset at this like nuclear family household attitude about women and about having them like having them being like being submissive and like the the, the issue that i have is because like i come from a line of 
very strong and independent women. Okay, like my grandmothers did not fuck around. They these women, they had to deal with all these deadbeat. You know, yeah, my grandpas were were deadbeats. They really are. They they were just like Jesus Christ. Like uh, like both of my parents were born out of wedlock. Now, of course, I, I do speak with respect because like for my mother's side, like it, it was like a hookup, and then my grandpa went to America, and then he was like, oh, I have a daughter, and he probably has more kids. <laughs> Uh, but then with my other grandpa, my paternal grandpa, it's like he, he hooked up with my, my grandma and then like he was just went off and did his own thing. And the only reason that he acknowledged my father was because his new wife, you know, like asked him, like, do you have any kids? And he said, no. So already he lied to her. And then my grandma was like, no, this is his son. And that stepmom was like, okay, you're, you're going to do that. So that's the only reason that my grandfather acknowledged my dad is because his wife forced him to. Because if... If my, his wife was like some other people, because uh, again they were like a little wealthier, they like, oh no, you can't. He's black. You you can't. That this is a shame on our. This is a stain on our honor. Like it, it, it could have very easily gone that route, and then my dad would have never been acknowledged. Like again, you know, I come from a line of women that have had to step up to the plate, had to take care of their kids. Again, like my name is maternal. It's from uh, the maternal line. So like again, you know. This is not just something like that's political. It's also very personal because, you know, I would literally wouldn't be living in America if it wasn't for my grandma who said, you know what, I'm going to work and provide for my kid and give him a better life. And I want to bring him to America. Now, of course, looking in hindsight, like I wish I had a time travel machine. She'd be like, hey, you know, um, uh, Canada's not so bad or, you know, maybe New Zealand. <laughs> like, again, not that I would have not that that would have happened. But still, it's just like. Uh, it's like I, you know, I have to look at I look at that and honor that that will to you know provide and step up to the plate, but also it's just like oh man, if only she knew where things would go. But again, you know, yeah, again, I, I know I kind of came out and just like because it, it's just a lie, and we're all upset, we're all pissed off, and just like ugh, like not just at the Republicans, but also the Democrats because they're also complicit in this. They really are. And they're not serious about it. They're not. They I, they could they could move to put um, an amendment down right now, and they could get it through. It's just well, not necessarily amendment, but you know, it's just it's just again they could do it, but there, there's no they're, they're not serious. And Joe Biden already he he's already like pro like pro life. He's already he has all these comments against uh, Roe v. Wade from the seventies. You know, so he's not serious about it either. Like he's he doesn't want to pack the courts or and again people are saying like oh so you just want to pack the courts and end the filibuster yeah yeah if that means women get full rights yeah definitely I don't give a shit anymore fuck you all right I don't care any any conservative that honestly wants like you're not worthy of having any kind of conversation with me anymore okay no all right I just block people now oh you're just gonna block me because you don't want no because your opinion is not worthy of anybody's respect it isn't. It is inherently predicated on turning women, minorities, gays, uh, tr queer folk, transsexuals. It, it, it's it, it's predicated on stepping on their rights and uh, uplifting white men. Okay, if you're so like, what exactly you're trying to conserve? What exactly you're trying to return to the the, the natural state of the United States, which is uh, the land of the free for rich landed white men? Okay, that's what that's what it is. Okay. Ridiculous, man. Fucking ridiculous. You know?
and so I did, um, you know, we did some fundraising calls and, uh, now I was thinking actually that people would be upset thinking like, why am I donating this and that? And nobody's, well, we, things keep getting worse, but actually people were donating today and people were helping out. So that's a good sign. People are, you know, I'm doing what I can, you know, getting the fundraising to ACLU, Planned Parenthood, HRC. That's one avenue uh, that I can help out in. But also, you know, there has to be local organizing and mobilizing. Um, I, I don't know exactly because, like, I just I, I'm working paycheck to paycheck, so I'm just not in a position to really step up. But again, you know, I, it's just <laughs> do whatever you can, educate people, and definitely organize in your local areas. And uh, you know, you know, again, like I said, this is the underground railroad, so like they're gonna start passing laws and making it so that if you assist people with transporting them um, across state lines or uh, you know smuggling you know, abortion, uh, drugs, whatever you want to call them, uh, yeah, like, they're, they're going to clamp down on that. Like, I, I bet you now, anytime there's a pregnant woman crossing state lines, they're just going to immediately investigate it. Because that's, that's what they do. Because this, this is an attack on women. This is a war on women. That's what it is, man. And these fucking idiots also, they don't think that... Because this is over, like, bodily autonomy. Now they're setting a precedent that the states can determine uh, what a person can do with their bodies. Like, it is absolutely going to be against men now. Like, you think men are untouchable from this? And then also, this, you know, this lovely person, this uh, Supreme Court justice, and I use the justice in quotes, Clarence Thomas, he also put notes saying that they want to go against uh, contraceptives and same-sex marriage, even privacy in bathrooms. Man, wow. So, you know... But, you know, there's uh, surprisingly no comment on interracial marriages. I mean, I don't see anything about interracial marriages in the Constitution. Hmm? So-called originalists? Wow, man. So upsetting. And then, you know, they... It, like, this is literal violence against millions of women. Or, you know, because, uh, I mean, it's not just women. You know, there are uh, non-binary and transsexual people that can carry pregnancies. So, you know, this is affecting them as well. And this is only going to affirm anti-trans bills, such as, you know, uh, transitioning and hormone therapy and uh, gender surgeries. And that's only going to embolden that. And, you know, evasions of privacy, you know, uh, like I was reading this um, this Reddit post uh, from this, like, paramedic or, you know, medical technician in, in Texas. And, like, they had to, you know, they had a call. And so they had to, they, 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 they ran, you know, a blood work on the, the patient and the patient did test positive for some sort of drug that would have terminated the pregnancy and they were forced to report that. And of course, they said that they quit, but it's just like, like they don't even like prosecute people for, for drug use. Like if you're, if you have, if you're ODing and they put you in the hospital, they don't prosecute you for that. But if you're having complications for attempting to terminate the pregnancy because you had to use some uh, herbal remedies or some over-the-counter shit instead of going to a clinic and you go to the hospital oh well that's a homicide hell they're investigating stillbirths and miscarriages that are like completely unrelated from terminating pregnancies like like the person did not intend to terminate the pregnancy they're investigating those as well as homicides and it's just oh no this is what and then of course people are trying to rationalize it saying like well i mean this is what the states have decided you know the voters wanted it like you know what man like i like 
they, they're gonna go like they're gonna go next like a uh, fucking um john cornyn he was saying oh we should go for plessy v ferguson and uh brown versus education like he literally said that on twitter you couldn't get a clearer sign that these assholes want to return us back to jim crow a clearer note like no, like and then it's just like oh well um if that's what the voters want in the state well then like oh my god my goodness man you know just saying this you know uh this is a good time to learn how to shoot that's all i have to say jesus fucking christ man wow man and then yeah it's just fucking ridiculous and then of course you if you the more you talk about it the more problematic you are it's not problematic that we're sliding into a fascist Christian state. It's problematic that you're pointing it out. Hey, man, uh, you're being insightful. You're 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 spreading conspiracies. Yeah, no, I'm just venting right now. I'm just upset. I'm just fucking ridiculous. But <laughs> this is just where we are. This is where we are. I mean, like again, I I try not to get things you know under my skin. I try not to be surprised. But hey, man, this is where we are. So. And then, like, it's so funny, man. We live in the fucking twilight zone, man. Like, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was saying, like, oh, well, now we can assure that women or children are safe in their classrooms or, like, some fucking offhanded comment. And I'm just, like, we're still, like, we're barely a month out of the Uvalde shooting. And then this is the comments that they're making. So-called pro-life. Wow, man. I hate it here. I really do. But why don't you leave? Buy me a fucking ticket. Then I'll go. Just buy me a fucking ticket, bro. Alright? I will go to Cuba. Alright? I need to practice my Spanish anyway. Yeah. A less racist and socially conscious Dominican Republic. Wow. Yeah. I would love to go there. Jesus Christ. Anyway. So. I'm um, going to read, you know, because I've been talking about some, like, national efforts but i want to read specifically about texas because texas is going to have oh man good old texas hey we have one of those uh, trigger laws that went into effect we have pretty stringent rules here's the thing too because like these fucking assholes i was like debating online well not debating just straight up just trolling because like i didn't give a shit they were just they're operating under the assumption like when i asked them like hey what are your thoughts on like rape victims you know and incest like do you think that they should have the right to abortion and then still they're like well we should prosecute the rapist but we really shouldn't have to end the life just because of like like that's the mentality that they have it's just like well you see this is a gift look on the bright side it's like dude what the fuck do you have any idea how fucked up it would be if like you're you're spending your whole life, and then you're thinking to yourself, "Wait, hey, where, you know, where's my dad? You know, who's my dad?" And then your mom has to make up all these bullshit stories, and then already she's dealing with the trauma of being raped, and that's gonna follow her for the rest of her life. And then she has to look at this child, which and, and like already the conflict alone because she doesn't want to feel guilty towards the kid because it wasn't the kid's fault, but the kid is a reminder of this traumatic experience. And like that already alone is just like just, like just fucks you up, man. God, I'm just so, like, these people are just fucking, like, getting on my nerves. And again, it always boils down to, well, uh, just don't have sex. Because sex has consequences, and you need to learn personal responsibility. That's why I want you to have a, that's why I'm going to force you to have a kid. Because you need to learn how to be personally responsible. You know, even if, like, you took all the measures for protection. Like, even with all the birth control that you can take. Like, if the guy's wearing a condom and the girl's taking her, her birth control. Like, there's still a very good chance, like, very, or very slim chance, even with all that, that a pregnancy can occur. 
And still then, oh, well, I mean, you just didn't, oh, you're just per- you're irresponsible. Uh, you put yourself here. Well, man. So again, again, I'm just, I'm just furious. Okay. Cause a lot of women on social media are like saying like, I don't see enough men talking about this and being like, he- you're hearing it here. Okay. I'm fucking furious, man. Jesus Christ, man. And it doesn't stop here. It doesn't. So reading from, uh, this, uh, Dallas uh, news or you know news site just considering the abortion ban in Texas the trigger law so like they have um they, like one of the largest clinics in the country is in Houston and they just had to cease everything right as the decision was made like I personally know I don't want to give too many details but I personally know somebody who had an ectop- ectoptic pregnancy and like she was effectively like denied an abortion because like they have this you know it's just ridiculous man and then, like, she had, luckily, she was able to travel out of state and, you know, deal with that. But, dude, like, they were going to force her to carry an ectopic pregnancy that has no chance, right? They're all about personhood and, like, there's no chance that this thing is going to survive, okay? It's not even a person. It literally doesn't have a brain, okay? It's a vegetable. And they, they still want to force somebody to carry that through. My goodness, man. This is what I fucking mean, man. Anyway, like... So reading from this uh, website, uh, WFAA uh, from Dallas. So the Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade in a landmark abortion ruling released Friday, eliminating the constitutional right to an abortion, letting states decide on the issue. While many questions about the immediate impact remain to be answered, we already had an idea of how things are expected to unfold here in Texas. Before the memo was leaked, Texas was one of 13 states to already pass a trigger law, making most abortions illegal if Roe v. Wade is overturned. In a statement immediately after the ruling Friday, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton declared abortions illegal in Texas. Quote, today, the question of abortion returns to the state, Paxton said. Quote, and in Texas, that question has already been answered. Abortion is illegal here. I look forward to defending the pro-life laws of Texas, the lives of all unborn children moving forward. Yeah, only to get shot in the fucking school. Dickheads. Uh, Paxton later released a legal advisory on the law, saying that Texas trigger law would go into effect 30 days after a judgment is issued by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court issued an opinion Friday, not a judgment. Paxton's advisory said the judgment would be issued after a window of time in which parties can file an appeal motion. Judgments can typically take up take about a month to be issued, Paxton said. Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick previously touted the state's trigger laws in, as ensuring Quote, if Roe is overturned, abortion is banned in Texas. Quote, I am sure the left will fight to allow abortions in Texas. Yes, we will, Pat- Patrick said. They will not win that fight. What is the Texas trigger law? Under the Texas trigger law, doctors would face up to life in prison and a $100,000 fine for performing an abortion. The lone exception to the law would be if a woman's life is in danger. People diagnosed with cancers while pregnant or are suffering from depression or other medical issues will not qualify for that exception. And again, like, it's going to be like, oh, if the life is in danger, but then it's going to go through some bureaucracy and then like some pro-life, you know, final judge, whatever they're going to do. They're just going to say, oh, well, you're not really, you're going to be fine. <laughs> it's just, dude, like a lot of women are going to die, man. People are going to fucking die. And these idiots are celebrating it. They love it. Uh, the mother would not face civil or criminal action according to the law. Uh, when would the Texas trigger law take effect? Texas total ban on abortions will start 30 days after a decision on Roe v. Wade. Like, I've already heard that they're just closing it down already. So, yeah. 
what do we know about the trigger law? Some elements of the trigger law remain unclear, including how it could impact women who have miscarriages and those who undergo in vitro fertilization. The law describes pregnant as the moment of fertilization in IVF. There are often multiple embryos destroyed. Sima Mohapatra, who teaches health law and bioethics at SMU, told WFAA after the May opinion leak that some definitions in the trigger law still aren't clear. Quote, that could definitely put parts of the whole IVF process at legal risk. She said, quote, a lot of people are surprised that restrictions on abortions affect people who are seeking to become pregnant. According to the CDC, roughly 2% of infants born in the U.S. each year are from IVF. So what is Texas current abortion law? Texas already bans abortions after six weeks with no exceptions of rape or incest. Ha, lovely. Uh, that was part of Senate Bill 8 passed last year, which also allows a person to sue anyone who aids or abets an abortion for up to $10,000. So, like, so it's not just the police state, but also, like, people will snitch on you. And they have hotlines, and now it's just like, and this is what, this is going to be a common thread uh, with, you know, this police state. Because a lot of the times, it's not really the surveillance cameras or whatever. It's your friends. It's your neighbors. It's your co-workers. It's your own family. I mean, I already feel it with myself. Like, I can't fully tell people what I'm really feeling and, you know, what the things are going. Because already, I know that they're just going to easily, they just pick up a phone and say, hey, Gabe, uh, he's a communist. He wants to do this and that. I mean, not even that, not even that I'm like, because, like, like, everything that I talk about is, like, community aid and work networking community defense oh he wants people to be armed he wants to he wants people to form militias you know he wants to incite something like that's what's going to turn into of course like i always think to myself like if i ever get in front of a uh, like because so, i know i feel like one day i'm going to have to deal with some legal battle uh, like truly and people are just going to say these things that i've said which like I, I don't feel like any remorse for the things that i've said like the things that i say i believe it I'm not, I'm not grifting. I'm not trying to like start, you know, be, you know, flashy. Like I believe what I say. So I don't feel the need to apologize in front of a judge or jury. But again, like yeah, these judges and juries, like they're all conservative fucking suburban yuppies. And yeah, there's just, there's no mercy for this. Even if like, even if like I was able to provide, provide evidence saying like, actually, no, like here's some stuff that uh, isn't exactly true. They would still vote against me because it's, it's like, well, we can't give those commies a win. Like, it's political. It's all political now. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. But uh, what are the other uh, laws that have trigger, or states that have trigger laws? And so there are, you know, Texas is one of 13 states, right? And so those states are Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, and Wyoming. And, uh, you know, again, it's just so fascinating to me that uh, they're just hung up on the state's rights issued because like oh well i mean you know that's what they voted you know never mind all the gerrymandering and all the you know stuff that goes into you know uh, rigging elections in their favor so they can hide behind this idea like the like the vast majority of people want abortions like over half of the country okay like i've read somewhere like 60 to 80 percent so like the the people who are forcing this upon us they are truly in the minority. They really aren't. My goodness, man. And you know, it's just like, and it's sad too, because there's some friends of mine that are conservative minded and they're great people. But then once this political conversation comes up, there's just a rift. And like, 
you know, like some of these people I really love, like these are good people, but it's just like your values are all fucked up when it comes to this, this specific issue, because you're just hung up on, well, you see, like, again, if you wouldn't have an abortion, that is fine because you've made that choice, but you have no right to make the choice for other people. And then again, what a surprise, the, the states that, uh, you know, have abstinence only sex education uh, tend to have the highest rates of uh, teenage pregnancies and unplanned pregnancies. Holy shit, what a fucking surprise. So, yeah. So, you know, and then, uh, you know, in a side note, you know, because I kind of just ran across this uh, article, but this is from USA Today. And so it's saying that uh, Green Day's Billy Joe Armstrong it says he is renouncing his U.S. citizenship. And I feel like that's more people are going to be following suit with that. And, you know, good for him. I mean, because his, uh, you know, Green Day, he's always been anti American. Uh, but yeah, man, so read from USA. Uh, There's no room for patriotism for rocker Billy Joe Armstrong in the wake of the Roe v. Wade reversal. During a concert in London Friday, the Green Day frontman vented his frustration following the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling to overturn Roe v. Wade, which effectively removes Americans' constitutional right to an abortion. The 50-year-old singer might even be packing his bags for the U.K. in protest. I'm renouncing my citizenship, he said. I'm coming here. Armstrong continued... There's just too much stupid in the world to go back to that miserable excuse for a country. Oh, I'm not kidding. You're not going to get a lot of me in the coming days. It's like, you know what, man? If I if I could, I'd fucking go to not necessarily the UK, but hey, you know, I like at the very least, like, because I don't know if I can ever travel out of the country. At the very least, I need to go to part of the country. That's like, because again, because like, I, I think that there's just going to be a complete collapse. And so I would have to move to a part of the country that has like the, the strongest, uh, you know, the stronghold for leftism and progressivism i don't know where that would be i still have to look that up you know it's like i have to consider political factors and then also with uh climate effects like which part of the country isn't going to be a complete wasteland so it's just like uh, leftism and also uh habitability so yeah so the green day front man billy joe armstrong you know he's saying this uh again you know american idiot right uh, all these other songs were pretty anti-American, especially in the early 2000s, you know, post 9-11, uh, especially during the Iraq War. Yeah, man. Uh, so Armstrong and Green Day stepped into the political arena once more at the 2016 American Music Awards during a performance for their song Bang Bang. The band broke into a fiery chant that criticized the election of the then-president Donald Trump. No Trump, no KKK, no fascist USA. Armstrong isn't the only singer to voice their dissatisfaction with the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Taking the stage on Saturday at the UK Festival Glastonbury, pop star Olivia Rodrigo told festival goers that she is devastated and terrified following the Scooters ruling. She also dedicated her cover to of the song 2009 Lily Allen hit, uh, Fuck You, to Supreme Court Justices Samuel Alito, Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, and Amy Coney Barrett, and Brett Kavanaugh. Quote, so many women and girls are going to die because of this, Rodrigo added. Billie Eilish also headlined Glastonbury Friday, dedicated the performance of her song Your Power to the Supreme Court justices who voted to overturn Roe v. Wade. Quote, the songs we're about to do is, I think, one of the favorites that we've written, and it's about the concept of power and how we need to always remember how not to abuse it, Eilish said. Quote, and today is a really, really dark day for women in the U.S. I'm just going to say that I cannot bear to think about it any longer in the moment. Yeah. And again, you know, the, the, the pro, quote, pro-lifers, uh, they're, you know, just like getting all like, oh, you see, they just, oh, you're just acting like a child, okay? And, you know, you just got to learn how to accept 
things that don't go your way. Like that's the attitude that they have. Women have been turned to second class citizens. Why are you why are you being such a bitch? Why are you complaining? Why are you just hey, you know, you're a dude, so there's nothing's gonna happen to you, okay? So stop crying. It's fucking ridiculous, man. I hate I I hate these people. I do. I hate them. Okay? I don't fucking care anymore. So anyway. And you know, it's so funny too that they're so-called pro-life, and then you know, they're they're these are the ones that like they love the fossil fuel industry and that they, they love destroying the environment, like literally um you know, precipitating a mass extinction event of epic proportions, right? Oh, yeah, you're pro-life there, right? Oh, but you see, because, you know, we don't really know the full effects. And, uh, like, the Supreme Court is going to make a judgment against uh, the EPA, and that's going to fuck, fuck up the environment even more. And it's just like, huh, yes, this is good for business. It's just like, God, I, I fucking hate these people, okay? Just, th- there's no more room for discussion. They're, like, I don't care if I'm being divisive, okay? It's like, you, you want me to come to terms with somebody who's openly saying, I want to kill you. And I want to make life as hard as possible for you. And I want to destroy you. You want me to come to terms with that? You want me to come to terms with literal fascists? Literally, like, they're not even hiding it anymore. Like, dude, these people are, like, celebrating. Yes, we're returning Jesus to, like, dude. Like, the whole point is separation of church and state. And that's, like, being stripped away. And then it's just like, ha, yes, now we're returning God to America. Yes, because white people, I mean, uh, Americans have to take in power. Like, dude, it's just like, that's what it is. That's what it is. These white people are afraid. They're losing power. And so they're grasping at everything. And they're, they are the ones bringing us to the brink. They are. So whatever violence that comes down the line is their fault. Okay? It is. I don't care anymore. Jesus Christ. So I don't want to say too much because, I mean, I'm, I'm really fired up. And I don't want to be stuck with this topic because it just makes me so mad so angry and i'm the one that has to remain calm i think my reaction is pretty you know human pretty uh on the nose considering everything that's occurring right now you know again you know somebody was like like you know when i was trolling them on history memes it's like you know what you're unwell you need to get help hey you know living in a white supremacist christian fascist dystopia as a person of color is typically bad for your mental health okay i can't imagine being queer or gay being a woman all right, Jesus Christ, man. Like I'm, I'm petrified to have a child now. I am, because then if it's a girl, Jesus Christ. Like, my goodness. You know, my sister. You know, uh, she's she might have kids down the line. She wants to have kids, and it's just like you know, I can't tell her these things because like she doesn't fully grasp the situation that we're in. It's just so hard to explain to my family, saying like, "Hey, man, uh, we're heading in a really bad direction," and like. Oh no, you're just overreacting. Like, and I literally like I'm studying history, so I'm like I'm pretty qualified to comment on these things now. And it's just like, oh no, you're just you're being radicalized. You know, your people are just like influencing you, and it's just like, okay, whatever. Like these these people have to learn the hard way. They really do. Okay, I like, and then of course it's like somehow it's my fault that things fall apart because all I do is ever talk about it. Because like they they just whatever. Ah, oh my god. Like truly, if I have nieces or nephews, it's just like. My goodness, I, I just, I, I don't know what to tell them. And then I have these younger girls, these younger cousins that, you know, they're just now entering, you know, young adulthood. And it's just like th- this fucking world that they have to inherit is so bad for them. And, you know, and I was talking with my cousin, 
you, you know, again, like every woman has a story about some like, you know, like re- like really bad experience with a guy. Like every woman, okay. And again, like I was talking earlier, like I've had issues with rejection. Again, it's never like attack against a woman, but already like that sensitivity that's problematic in itself. It's, it's fucking ridiculous, bro. Yeah, man, men, right? It's funny too. Like I'm terrified of men sometimes. I right? like sometimes I'll go to a, a gas station at night and it's just like I gotta be on guard and like I, I, you know, now I don't have a firearm, but I definitely walk around with a switchblade. Like I have something. Cause I don't know, cause like, it, and it's a good thing that I'm a big guy too, so guys don't really feel the need to step up to me. But it's just like, men are fucking scary. They really are. They're they're terrifying. There's one wrong look, and it's like, what the fuck? Well, what the fuck, man? It's just like, what the? F-? And I couldn't even imagine what it would be like for men, like just to constantly be like, hey, what's up? Hey, hey, you wanna come back to my place? Hey, like, God, wow. Anyway. I'm getting distracted. I know that like opening was a bit jumbled, but it's like that's that's really how a lot of us feel right now. Uh, we just feel like just want to fucking scream, just scream and yell and just like start throwing bricks at windows. Like, how the fuck can we expect? How the fuck can anybody expect us to just continue to live like this? Like nothing is happening, everything's fine. This is this is totally normal for a country, right? This is normal. So, so-called land of the free, and then Fourth of July is gonna run around, and then of course, oh no, you gotta stand up. This is, yeah, this is what our soldiers died for—to turn women into second-class citizens, right? Exactly. And then they—they are absolutely gonna go after same-sex marriage, and then watch—they're—they're they're gonna go. Uh, they're gonna say, well, you know, the federal government has no right to determine the interracial marriage laws, so I mean, it should be left to the states. Like that's the out that they're gonna give. Oh, it should be left to the states. We, we don't have a right to determine this. Basic fucking human rights. Watch, you know, because uh, like people are hung up on interracial marriage. Watch, people like you're gonna hear this argument. Hey, you know, yeah, maybe it's better off if people just married within their race. You know, we don't really have to have this intermingling, like because they have to protect the white race. Because oh no, the white race is getting diluted, so we have to. Oh, no more interracial marriage. Yeah, we're taking that. <laughs> I hate these people. So anyway, I'm gonna move on to international. Uh, efforts. Hopefully, I won't. I won't be as emotionally volatile in that situation or discussing these topics. But yeah. Uh, so you know, I wanted to discuss um, just touching real quick with the Ukraine war that's happening. This is uh, you know new developments that have been occurring lately. They've uh, been uh, launching missile strikes. Russia has been launching missile strikes against uh, Kiev. So the other day, I think yesterday, they had a missile strike a residential building, and today. They had a, a missile hit a shopping center. So, you know, I'm I, I don't exactly know. I don't exactly know if say they just like launched the missile at the general direction and then it just hit somewhere in the city, or if this was a targeted attack. Yeah, and what they're saying is that uh, well, so uh, President Zelensky has said, "quote that this is one of the most brazen terrorist attacks in European history, um, at, at least." 19 or 13 people have died um, and this is an incremic chunk so they're, they're hitting Kiev and they're also hitting other targets in in, in uh, Ukraine yeah and, and Zelensky said that more than a thousand people were in the building when it was hit so who knows maybe because what I've read is that what they do is that they'll put a transponder on the building and that's what the missile detects and hits so maybe they have saboteurs and spies 
that are just putting transponders on different buildings and such. Again, because like uh, Russia has, you know, fire support, but it's not as sophisticated as the United States. So, you know, it's yeah, those transponders definitely help with uh, you know getting those missiles in. Uh, so this is from the G7. Uh, world leaders from the largest industrial nations who are meeting in Germany have described the missile strike on the shopping center as abominable. In a joint statement, the G7 leader said, quote, indiscriminate attacks on innocent civilians constitute a war crime, adding, quote, Russian President Putin and those responsible will be held accountable. Earlier, President Zelensky addressed the summit asking for more economic and military support and saying he wanted the war to end before winter, which it won't, but... Uh, the group have pledged to support Ukraine for as long as it takes. Further sanctions on Russia have also been discussed. So this is the problem now, because again, uh, Ukraine cannot do this alone, and we, we're we're getting further and further entrenched into this. Like this is not good, and already now, um, like Lithuania has blocked access to Kaliningrad, that uh, exclave, you know, province that's on the Baltic Sea, uh, and that's already causing issues. Like that. that Tensions are really ramping up. Uh, also, like uh, some Polish or Russia claimed that they had uh, killed like two detachments, two battalions of uh, Polish mercenaries and such. So that's already causing tensions. Uh, and then now NATO has announced that they're increasing its quick response force from 40,000 to 300,000 troops. This is a serious escalation that's happening. This is not good. We are, and these people, they are in, like, we we have to come to the table. We have to cut. We have to make diplomatic talks, and fuck it. Just cede Crimea, cede Donbass and Luhansk, whatever. Just just, dude. Like we are barreling towards nuclear war. We cannot like like we we can't have this. But there. But I guess you know. I guess the sides they don't want to give up. It's all a pride thing. It's power. And the more you know that. Uh, Ukraine gets sucked into this conflict. The more troops that they lose, the more material that they lose and munitions, uh, it's going to allow Russia to go for a complete occupation. Okay, so Ukraine did well staving off the first phase, the lightning campaign, but now it's attrition and they're going to lose that. They will. Not to say that Russia isn't going to do any better, but they just have more soldiers to replace. Um, so the NATO Secretary General, Jen Stoltenberg, said Russia's invasion was the biggest threat NATO has faced since the Cold War. The city of Lysychansk in eastern Ukraine was also hit by Russian shelling. Regional Governor Serhii Haidai uh, said at least 8 people have been killed and 21 were wounded in rocket strikes in the city. Uh, just reading further. Right, so this is mainly just like a live update on this attack. Uh, so Ukraine requests UN Secretary Council or sorry, UN Security Council meeting over Russia's strike. Ukraine has called for an emergency meeting of the United Nations Security Council over recent Russian strikes on civilian targets. The presidency of the UN body says the missile strike on a shopping center in the central city of Kremenchuk is understood to be the main task of the meeting, according to a spokesman for the Albanian mission, which currently holds a rotating Security Council presidency. It understood the shelling all over Kiev on Sunday, which hit a residential complex will also be discussed at the meeting which is scheduled to take place tomorrow evening yeah and then this is just yeah it's just you know the way things are for this uh war but hey man you know this is just again you know we we think it's bad now and then it's going to keep getting worse like dude we've dropped 
50 billion dollars on Ukraine just dropped it and then again you know that there's all this talk about well no because see because we, we can't necessarily co afford costs for healthcare and education and you know we we uh oh this and that uh, dude like again this is what I mean man like people are uh they just don't know they just don't know uh, where things are gonna go but you know the more the further NATO and the West gets entrenched into this the more likely nuclear war comes to pass they're they're playing with fire I mean Putin is willing Putin Putin will he will do it people think don't think it's gonna happen he will do it if he if, like if if man again some people hear that story this is a common uh, myth or you know you know anecdotal tale about Putin and so there was a childhood friend of his who had discussed a conversation that they had and Putin was talking about an experience that he had trying to get rid of a mouse a rat and so he backed the rat into a corner and when that happened the rat lunged at him it jumped it was it just went berserk it just like and he learned from that he learned that if you back not just a rat any animal any well-trained animal if you back them into a corner and you start fucking with them and you start like poking and throwing rocks and shit and kicking them, they are going to strike. They're going to attack. Like, that's just what's going to happen. And I'm not saying here that Putin is a good guy because it's so weird seeing leftists like defend this guy, like standing Putin. Like, I get it, you know, when you're talking about NATO encirclement, like, that's not good either, but this guy is not like, oh, no, because he worked for the KGB, bro. You, like, he is not a leftist, he's a czar. That's what he is. He he's only concerned about power and wealth. Again, <laughs> this is just ridiculous. Where everything is happening. Um, so, you know, reading onward. So there's those missile strikes that have been happening, and they're going to continue to happen. They're going to it's going to escalate. Uh, there's also I'm reading from Yahoo News a report that Ukrainian special ops are carrying out raids on Russian territory. So this is like. There was a helicopter raid on like an oil factory a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, and then now there's supposedly, uh, you know, special forces operators infiltrating Russian territory and committing, you know, carrying out raids. So this is like, like this is something that they shouldn't be doing, you know, as much as you want to, you know, cause havoc, because like the Russians have said it, like if there are missile strikes or shelling from Ukrainian territory into Russia, like that will see a serious response. So it's just like, this is what's happening now. They're going behind enemy lines or going into enemy territory and ter like sovereign territory to carry out raids. And that's only going to escalate things it, like that's. So, again, you know, this is a really, really like thin ice situation that's happening. And so reading from Yahoo, uh, the newspaper attain, obtained interviews with anonymous fighters participating in these operations known by their call signs Adonis in 22 it's unclear to the Times what are the ultimate goals of Ukrainian military operations on the Russian territory, but evidence suggests that sabotage attacks on Russian oil refineries, munitions storage facilities, and communication infrastructures are undermining Russia's offensive capabilities. The UK newspaper mentions Ukraine's Shaman Battalion is involved in these operations and is going deeper into Russia. It's been known that Shaman Battalion is known for a 10th Special Operations Division, which is usually assigned to conduct intelligence operations and assist in short-term offensives. The Shaman Battalion accepts 
only those servicemen who have gone through advanced advanced training, including diving, parachuting, mountain climbing. Ex- excellent physical condition is a mandatory prerequisite for joining this military group. So I mean, these guys are like, this is the best. This is the cream of the crop. At this stage of the war, the Shaman Battalion is focusing on damaging the Russian infrastructure used for the invasion for Ukrainian territory. For this, the Shaman fighters have accomplished several raids on Russia that haven't been announced publicly. The Shaman Battalion relies on helicopters to transport its fighters to the Russian territory using tactics of flying as close to the ground as possible to avoid being noticed by Russian air defenses. Operations on the enemy territories are the most interesting missions, the shaman fighters told the Times. Quote, we use explosives during them after crossing the front lines and the state border. Uh, Adonis said, says the Russians usually can't believe that the Ukrainian army is actually behind those raids. Most of the time, they just can't believe we paid them a visit. Both Adonis and 22 have been fighting against Russia since 2014 when it invaded Crimea and the Donbass. To join the special forces division, they went through a complicated terror training program. But raids on Russian territory are not only are not the only mission for the shaman fighters. Beside those assignments, they do training sessions for newly recruited soldiers, focusing on tactical technologies. During the initial stage of the war, the shaman battalion participated in Ukraine's defensive operation in Holstel, which was one of the biggest battles of Russia's war against Ukraine, which it still had plans to conquer Kiev. When it still had plans to conquer Kiev, using paratrooper groups to land. Okay, so they said Hostel. I think they meant Hostomel. Uh, using paratrooper groups to land as many Russian troops in the northern Ukraine as possible. Right. After the Hostomel operation, Shaman was deployed in Moshun, a village to the west of Kiev that is an important geographical location sitting near the bridge over the Irpin River in the neighboring swamps. This route could have been used by the Russian army to invade Kiev from the west, but the Russian advance was stopped in the course of several weeks. When Russian troops started retreating from the Kiev outskirts, Shaman fighters followed them all the way to the Belarus border, hitting their positions and speeding their retreat. So, again, you know, like, because, like, tactically speaking, conducting small raids, surgical raids like this, it's a, you know, that's effective, you know, and that's certainly uh, something that could, you know, uh, you know, mess up the supply lines and communications, you know, gas and such. But it's still just like, like, be very careful. It's probably better not to do that because, <laughs> like, that's only going to escalate things. And, you know, as I'm saying, we like, we have to come to the table. We can't allow things to get out of hand because it's very easy. This is our, this is not really a safe time. So, yeah, so that's the Ukraine war. Again, I don't want to uh, discuss too much on that because there's a lot more going on in the world than just Ukraine. And so we just, you know, have to pay attention. And so right now, you know, there are other things that are happening in the world specifically. You know, I want to talk about Latin America, South America, because, uh, you know, we're seeing a new episode of this um, so-called pink wave, right, of uh, leftist movements that are taking hold. Um, so you know, there's Ecuador and Colombia and other uh South American nations that have had development. So uh, we just wanted to, or I just wanted to talk about real quick about Ecuador, uh, mainly because of prices on consumer goods, fuel prices, and they've had massive protests and uh, strikes. And today they've announced that, you know, Ecuador has announced that they will make cuts. So, you know, again, this is, um, this is a good news to see that people are rising up and standing up against this. 
Uh, this is going to be a continued trend within the global south where they're going to be affected by these consumer prices, fuel prices, and you know we're going to see more of this kind of stuff. So you know, thankfully in this situation for Ecuador, uh, the government did concede to the mob, and so they're going to cut prices. So uh, I'm reading from BBC. So protesters have blocked key roads and staged massive rallies demanding action on fuel and food prices, some of which have turned violent. In response, Guillermo Lasso vowed to cut 10 cents of gallon, 10 cents a gallon for the both petrol and diesel prices. That is only a third as much as demonstrators have demanded. Since 2020, the cost of diesel has almost doubled and petrol prices have risen dramatically in the oil-producing nation. President Lasso also said that despite move, his move to lower fuel prices, any violent protesters would face consequences for their actions. Quote, Ecuadorians who seek dialogue will find a government with an outstretched hand, he said in a Sunday night address. Those who seek chaos and violence and terrorism will find the full force of the law. So again, it's just like, oh, you can protest and we can negotiate, but it's all it's it's always going to be on their terms. And again, they're always going to meet, you know, mobilization in the street with violence because the state has the monopoly of violence. So uh, the move comes after an initial meeting between the government and the Confederation of Indigenous Nationalities of Ecuador, or CONAI, uh, which began the demonstration. So yeah, this has been largely an indigenous movement because they're the ones who are living in the working class and uh, low-income areas. I mean, this is, again, you know, we forget that, you know, Latin America, South America is very much the same dynamics of colonialism. I mean, if anything, uh, this dynamic of colonialism that was introduced by the Spanish is what influenced, you know, our own system within the United States. So, uh, again, uh, the move comes after an initial meeting between, right, the coalition or the Confederation of Indigenous Nationalities. Uh, no deal has been reached. But the two sides agreed to begin dialogue after a state of emergency was lifted after the request at the request of Kane, more than a week after President Lasso imposed it. But the president is also facing political pressure amid the crisis. Over the weekend, the national parliament began a debate tabled by the opposition on removing him from office. It is set to conclude later this week. The extent of the disruption caused by the mass demonstration is significant. The blocking of key roads has led to fears of food shortages in the capital, Quito, as agricultural workers outside of it campaign for fairer food prices. Like, imagine that. You're, you're literally, like, working with the food, but you can't afford it. <laughs> like, that's, like, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Leonidas Iza, the leader of Kone, who was briefly arrested over the protests, asked his supporters to guarantee corridors into the capital over the weekend for essential supplies. The weekend was broadly calm as demonstrators took a break amid the political movements, but concerns about supplies and the broad economic impacts remain. On Sunday, the energy, the energy ministry issued a statement warning that oil production, a key export which the country's economy relies on, could come to an end within 40 hours if protests and roadblocks continued this week. Production was at a critical point, it said, and could stop because of the vandalism, takeover of wells, and closing of roads. The country was hard hit by the pandemic, and its economy is still recovering. So, uh, yeah, man, this is just a thing that we're going to see with developing nations, the global south. This is where the collapse starts, uh, mainly with them. I mean, yeah, they just said that they're an oil-producing nation, and then, like, they can't afford, like, the people can't afford food, they can't afford fuel. Man. And then watch, when they start nationalizing the oil industries, huh, wow, what a surprise, there's a coup. <laughs> so... 
yeah man you know best of luck to them but you know some good news at least you know from a neighboring country in Colombia is that uh, they have elected their first left-wing president Gustavo Petro who uh, has been noted as an ex-rebel fighter uh, you know uh, an ex-communist you know rebel fighter I don't believe he's with FARC I think it was M19 what's it called yeah I mean he wanted to make negotiations with them but yeah uh, with FARC but yeah he's a ex-rebel ex-guerrilla and he has been democratically elected and so you know that's some good news at least and I actually have some Colombian friends and they were really big on Petro and trying to get him through so it's good for them and again uh yeah man this is a major step I mean already like uh, Petro has uh he said that he's going to open up the border with Venezuela so it's um you know it's good to see the Bolivarian states you know getting together and basically making steps to stand up to uh, American imperialism okay I was thinking of this, of this meme it's like men only want one thing and it's disgusting and I'm just thinking ah the Bolivarian state the, the Bolivarian Union you know Gran, Gran Colombia right so yeah um, so reading also from BBC so Mr. Petro, a current senator, defeated the right-wing construction magnate Rodolfo Hernandez in Sunday's runoff election. Figures show he took 50.5% of votes, defeating his millionaire rival by a close margin of around 700,000 ballots. The result marks a major change for the country, which for decades has been led by moderate and conservatives. The vote was held among widespread discontent, discontent at the way the country has been run and there were anti-government protests last year in which dozens of people were killed the 62 year old mr petro hailed what he called a victory for quote a victory for god and for the people quote may so much suffering be cushioned by the joy that today floods the hearts of the homeland mr petro wrote on twitter quote today is the day of the streets and squares his running mate Francia marquez a single mother and former housekeeper will become the country's first black woman vice president and it's actually like funny too because I saw this video of the the vice president, you know, leaving, and then you know uh, Marquez uh, uh, entering the estate, you know, whatever they hold uh, the the vice president, and like the this girl, the 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 outgoing vice president was just like, oh, okay, just like she just went out, but then Marquez was like shaking the hands of all the attendants and all the the servers, and it's just like it like. Like, people even said, like, because she looked like Lucille uh, Ball, or not Lucille Ball, like, uh, Lucille Bluth. Am I saying that right? I think y'all know what I'm talking about, from Arrested Development, the, the mom. <laughs> like, she looked exactly like her, and she had that uh, attitude of just like, hmm, just like, and, and like, dude, my, like, because I don't want to get too personal, but like, my dad is married to a Venezuelan woman who is exactly like that, exactly like that. It's so infuriating. They look down on people. It's just like, ugh. It's just like these petite bourgeois types. Ugh, whatever. Um, so, quote, I accepted the result of this election. He said, quote, I hope that Mr. Gustavo Petro knows how to run the country and is faithful to his discourse against corruption, he said. All right. So, okay. So, in a video posted to social media, Mr. Hernandez, who ran a non-traditional campaign that relied heavily on TikTok and other social media, uh, con conceded to Mr. Petro. So, that was the, his opponent. President Ivan Duque, who was barred from seeking re-election by Colombia's term limits, said on Twitter that he called 
Mr. Petrol, to congratulate him, he added that he had agreed to meet in the coming days to initiate a harmonious, institutional, and transparent transition. Okay. Right, so Mr. Petro was a member of the now disbanded M19 movement in the 1980s. The rebel left-wing group was one of many guerrilla organizations that waged war against the state. He spent time in jail for illegal arms possession before joining the political opposition, who he served as both a senator and a congressman as well as mayor of Bogota. Mr. Petro ran on a radical manifesto and pledged during the campaign to fight inequality by providing free university education, pension reforms, and high taxes on unproductive land. He also pledged to fully implement a 2016 peace deal that ended a 50-year-long conflict with communist guerrilla group FARC and to seek negotiation with the still active ELN rebels. Yeah, I mean, like, there, like there's some parts of Colombia that are, like, literally just, like, it's the Wild West. Like, you, you can't, I think the Darien Gap is what they called it. Like, that's a super dangerous part of the country, or the world, really. At Gustavo's results party, the atmosphere is electric on stage and in the crowds. People were dancing salsa enjoying every moment of an election like no other. Man, please, I wish I was Colombian right now. I really do. In a country that experienced decades of civil conflict, Pet Gustavo Petro's critics highlighted his role as a former rebel, arguing his economic plans would spell disaster for the country, but his promises of inclusion and addressing poverty resonated with, with this deeply unequal country. For Anya Beatriz Acevedo, who represents displaced Afro-Colombian women, the election marks a major change for the country. Quote, one of the problems this country has is inequality in black and indigenous communities among women, she said. And they, Petro Marquez, represent that difference. One is mixed race and one is black, and both believe in inclusion. It is often cliche to call elections historic, but these rallies are. It's a huge departure for this conservative country and says a lot about how much the country has changed. Now Colombia will have its first ever leftist leader, and alongside him, the first ever black vice president, and that speaks volumes about the desire for a different political path. So, hey man, good for y'all. I'm really happy for them. I'm just worried about U.S. interference, CIA interference moving forward. I mean, they can't do it like Allende, right, where they just like straight up just like did a whole coup against him. Like, it's going to have to be more soft power, you know. And it's funny, too, because like... Uh, with this Ukraine war and like this like really like basically this run on uh, oil prices they basically like quietly the United States approved uh, for Europe and other countries to approve to do business with Venezuela and so yeah it, it just really speaks to the situation at hand like you know, like watch like they're lifting sanctions on Venezuela and then what a surprise things get better for Venezuela because there's no there's no more blockade like, that's a common argument that, like, anti-communists make. Well, if it's such an effective system, then they should do fine on their own. It's like, yeah, let's see what happens when the whole world stops doing business with the United States, which would actually be justified. It would be justified for the world to just do business with each other, but never trade with the U.S. Let's see how long we last. <laughs> right. So, continue on with other uh, global south issues, such as, you know, consumer issues, prices. You know, I've been talking about the Sri Lanka crisis that's been happening, and so there were, there was writing um, in the city, you know, against politicians, especially this uh, political family, you know, this corrupt political family, and so the 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 situation in Sri Lanka is something to pay attention to because in a lot of ways it is linked with um, the global financial system. So I was kind of reading a bit of a rundown on what's happening, and so effectively there's an imbalance uh, with the exchange 
they have rupees. So the central bank in Sri Lanka, they are charging more. Like there's the, the exchange rate is different than the international banking system. So one US dollar for the central banking system in Sri Lanka is 200 rupees. Meanwhile, uh, one US dollar for the international system is 150 rupees. So that imbalance is causing people to take their foreign currency out of the central banking system in Sri Lanka. And so it is precipitating this crisis. And then also there was um, uh, agricultural issues, like they, their crops failed, like they had fertilizer issues. And then, yeah, so this is it's, it's a cascade of economic crisis. And so uh, reading from Reuters, so uh, Sri Lanka will shut down hot schools and only allow fuel supplies to service deemed essential services deemed essential like health trains and buses for two weeks starting tuesday a minister said in a desperate attempt to deal with a severe shortage sri lanka is suffering its worst economic crisis with foreign exchange reserves at a low record low and the island of 22 million struggling to pay for essential imports of food medicine and most critically fuel industries like garments a big dollar earner in the indian ocean nation are left with fuel for only about for about a week to 10 days. Current stocks of the country will exhaust in just under a week based on regular demand, where this calculations show. Sri Lanka will issue fuel only to trains and buses, medical services, and vehicles that transport food starting Tuesday until July 10th, Bandula Guniwardena, the spokesman for the government cabinet, told reporters. Schools in urban areas will be shut and everyone is urged to work from home, he said. Interprovincial bus service will be limited. Quote, Sri Lanka has never faced such an economic crisis in its history. Auto rickshaw driver W.D. Shelton, uh, 67, said he had waited in line for four days for fuel. Quote, I haven't slept or eaten properly during this time and we can't earn, we can't feed our families. Holy shit. Four days. You hear my cat running around. I had to let her out. She was in my room for a bit. Right. Uh, people tried to flee. The government is in talks with the International Monetary Fund, IMF, on a possible bailout. But many people can't wait uh, that long and demand for passports has surged. The Navy, in the early hours of Monday, arrested 54 people off the eastern coast as it tried to leave by boat, its spokesman said, on top of 35 boat people held last week. So, like, people are trying to leave and they're like, nope. <laughs> And battle president Gotabaya Rajapaksha's elder brother resigned as prime minister last month after clashes between pro and anti-government protesters spiraled into countrywide violence. They left nine dead and about 300 injured. An escalation of the fuel shortage could lead to a fresh wave of demonstrations. Opposition leader Sajith Permadasa called for the government to step down. Quote, the country has collapsed completely due to the fuel shortage, he said in a video statement. Quote, the government has lied to the people repeatedly and has no plan on how to move forward. The government fuel stockpile stands at about 9,000 tons of diesel and 6,000 tons of petrol, the power minister said on Sunday, but no fresh shipments are due. Lanka IOC, the local unit of Indian Oil Corporation, told Reuters it had 22,000 tons of diesel and 7,500 tons of petrol and was expecting another 30,000 tons shipment. Uh, petrol and diesel combined around July 13th. Sri Lanka consumes about 5,000 tons of diesel and 3,000 tons of petrol a day just to meet its transports requirements, like IOC chief Manoj Gupta told Reuters. 
Other big consumers are industries like apparel and textile companies, whose exports jumped to 30% to $482.7 million in May, according to data released on Monday. Quote, we have enough fuel for the next 7 to 10 days, so we are managing, said Johan Lawrence, Secretary General of the Sri Lanka Joint Apparel Associations Forum. Quote, we are watching and waiting to see if fresh fuel stocks arrive and what will happen in the coming days. Continuing, uh, Sri Lanka's power regulator said the country was using its last stocks of furnace oil to run multiple thermal plants uh, to keep power costs at minimum. Scheduled power cuts will rise to three hours from Monday from two and two and a half earlier. Quote, we are hoping to keep power cuts at three to four hours for the next two months, said Janaka Ratanayak, chairman of the Public Utilities Commission of Sri Lanka, quote, but given the situation of the country, this could change. An IMF team is visiting Sri Lanka for talks on a $3 billion payoff. An IMF team is visiting Sri Lanka for talks for a $3 billion bailout package. The country is hoping to reach a staff-level agreement before the visit ends on Thursday. That is unlikely to unlock any immediate funds. It has received about $4 billion in financial assistance from India, and the Sri Lankan government said on Monday the United States has agreed to provide technical assistance for its fiscal management. So, yeah, this is a bit of a crisis, and in a lot of ways, this is because of the international banking system. And I mean, of course, there is domestic corruptions, but it's just like uh, the working people are getting screwed. <laughs> and, you know, there's the COVID pandemic, and then also this uh, Ukraine war, which is uh, stretching... Uh, you know, gas supplies. Yeah, man, it's uh, not a good situation for the global south. And of course, you know, this sort of thing is just kind of ignored, you know, uh, it's just kind of just overlooked. And yeah, people are just like, oh, well, I mean, that's just the way things are supposed to be, you know, that yeah, those brown people are supposed to be, you know, struggling day by day. And ah, uh, yeah, you know, you see, they work, you know, they don't complain about their situation. They just work. Uh, I've been in line for fuel for four days. I need food. I, I can't provide for my family. Oh, you see, he's just, he is pulling himself by his bootstraps. And it's just, I, yeah, that's just what they have to deal with. It sucks. Yeah, when they were having those riots, uh, it was pretty, pretty severe. So, I mean, if it gets worse than that, then holy shit, man. And, you know, Sri Lanka has already been dealing with civil war and the Tamil Tigers and all this uh, uh, violence unrest i mean they've been able to now like do away with that there's probably still insurgents in the island but yeah man uh this could really uh become like a collapse situation for them and then of course there would be an international response to it but it's just like the the reason they're in that mess is kind of on the international uh financial system hey you know whatever <laughs> anyway so moving on, so that's uh, what I wanted to talk about uh, for the um, international segment of the show. So moving forward, I was going to talk about natural events. You know, we, we have all these uh, reports from the UN I've covered in past episodes, IPCC. It's just, they're, they're all saying code red. This is what I mean to people when they're like, oh, you just have a... Uh, you just have an attitude issue. You got to change your attitude. You, you really think the world is ending? Dude, the fucking UN is saying this. <laughs> like, I literally showed somebody the UN report. And he's just like, no, nah, that's not true. I'm like, <laughs> and then like, it's like, yeah, there's no mass extinction happening. I'm just like, again, you know, this is my fault. 
because I, I, I fall into these traps all the time and I want to have a reasonable discussion, but then it's just like, no, I just don't believe that. And you're you're crazy and you know what you're talking about. You're being radicalized. You're being influenced. You're spreading misinformation. <laughs> oh my God, I hate life so much. It's just so crazy. And then like all these things keep getting worse. Anyway, so yeah. So what I want to talk about is... Um, so in this area of the like Southeast Asia, and I was talking about Sri Lanka, well, now we're talking more about uh, natural events, natural disasters. So in Bangladesh, which is, you know, notorious for flooding, it's a pretty low-lying area. And so in Bangladesh, there have been flooding, record flooding. This is just what's going to keep happening over there. Uh, also, you know, this coupled with uh, sea level rise. So it's just not a good area to live in. But those people are stuck. There's millions of people in Bangladesh and like over 80% of the country is like low-lying floodplains. Like, it's just, yeah, that's going to, yeah, again, we're going to see this. This is going to be a common trend. So, right, I'm reading from the NY Times, New York Times. So, Rohima Begun was cooking breakfast last week when the floodwaters flowed into her tin and bamboo home and began racing across the floor. Miss Bengum, her three children, and her mother made a quick escape in a small boat. When they looked back, their house and their positions had been swept away. Quote, I'm having a tough time here, and I don't know what comes next. Miss Bengum, 28, said this week at a school building in Bangladesh's landlocked northeast, where hundreds of flood victims have been sheltering. The Asia-Pacific region is used to occasional floods. <laughs> Again, the cat. I, I just, so I had her at a boarding place over the weekend. Uh, just for like a birthday break <laughs> so she's um she's been pretty active today so i i didn't want her to be in the room all day but yeah um <laughs> so moving forward right uh, in the asia pacific region they're they're used to occasional flooding and bangladesh and elsewhere the rhythms of local life have adapted over centuries to the annual monsoon that typically runs from june to september and provides water that farmers need to grow rice a primary food in many countries but but this year the rains have become the rains have been especially intense. A harsh reminder that climate change is bringing more extreme weather around the world. In China, where recent flooding has displaced hundreds of thousands of people, in the state-run news media reported this week that water levels have surged beyond flood levels in more than a hundred rivers. In in Bangladesh and northern India. Recent flooding has washed away towns and train stations, killing dozens of people and displacing millions of others. As of Friday, at least 68 people in Bangladesh have died since mid-May uh, from flood-related causes, including drowning, electrocutions, and landslides, the government data shows. More than 4,000 people have been infected with waterborne diseases. Crops have been destroyed. The Northeast, an area that produces most of the rice for a country of about 170 million people, has been especially hit hard. At least 384,000 people have been displaced in Ms. Begum's home region in Silhet, one of six in the Northeast, said Mosh Sharaf Hossein, the divisional commissioner. Quote, every piece of real estate in Bangladesh is populated and this entire area is underwater, said Shelton Yet, the United Nations Children's Fund representative to the country referring to the Northeast. As rescues continued, an immediate concern is that waterborne diseases will affect more people, Mr. Yet said, adding that he had already seen a rise in reports of diarrhea, though the latest rains have 
were tapering off, he noted more is in the forecast for the coming days and weeks. Quote, protracted climate change emergencies don't always get front page coverage, and because of that, they sometimes disappear beneath the waves, he added. Quote, in Bangladesh, it's figurative as well as literal. Linking climate change to a single flood event requires extensive scientific analysis, but that's what is happening. <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, but, okay, continuing, but climate change, which is already causing heavier rainfall and many storms, is an increasingly important part of the mix. So again, like, they got to be like, oh, well, it's a lot of research. We don't know, but maybe. Like, no, it is. That's what it is. Uh, warmer atmospheres holds and releases more water. So, right, these storms are uh, are wetter. They drop more rain, and they just, they're creating these flooding events. I mean, I, I've, again, I, use, I loosely use the term survivor, but I am a witness to Hurricane Harvey, monsoon, the, the rainfall. Dude, and I am so, I was very lucky my father and I were very lucky, and his and his uh, partner uh, were very lucky that we were uh, on the second floor, and we didn't lose power through that. So we were very comfortable during that situation. But our neighbors, you know, down the street, there was a whole community that the Cajun Navy had to like ferry people out because like the water was like rising as they were trying to evacuate, like it was getting up to their neck, like like dude. And then they had the the coast guards and helicopter rescues around us, like again, like. It's not really. It, it's a big story in our in our city, but what had occurred is that um, the dams were about to burst. They had there's two river systems. There's the Attics and Baker's uh, Reservoir system, dam system, and so it was about to burst, and they had to uh, flood our area <laughs> to basically save the city. And um, what's uh, you know again, this is what is awesome about capitalism is that. Those homes that got flooded, when the people were buying them, there was the, they had no requirements to the, the real estate agents had no requirements to tell them uh, to get flood insurance because there was a floodplain. It was a floodplain, and it was specifically designed that area uh, to be used as uh, back, you know, to be as backwater or whatever. I don't know what the proper term is, but it, like it was, it was deliberate. They knew that if an emergency situation happened with the dam system, that they would have to flood this little community uh, to save the dam. And like this is like, you know, this is a white suburban area. So the fact that this happened to them was like, hmm, I don't, huh? You flooded our town, like. So I mean, of course they sued and they of course got their their money back, and so that that was in their favor. But yeah, you know. Um, Imagine, though, if that was like a low-income, working-class, you know, Mexican or black area. That would have not have turned out. Like, they would have not have gotten any compensation or, you know, again, like, I mean, it's good that the, that area is recovering pretty well. But at the same time, it's just like, <laughs> I would not buy a house there. I would not because, like, there's going to be more of these storms. Um, anyway, right, so continuing with this uh, Bangladesh flooding, uh, scientists have determined that global warming um, made the record rainfall that led to devastating floods in Germany and Belgium last summer much more likely. In South Asia, recent research has strengthened the theory that climate change is disrupting the annual monsoon. India and Bangladesh are particularly vulnerable to climate change because they sit near the tropical waters of the Indian Ocean and the Bay of Bengal. In 2020, torrential rains left at least quarter of Bangladesh submerged last year extreme rainfall and landslides washed away a sprawling Rohingya refugee camp overnight quote 
Now we are past the phase of asking if each of these extreme weather events is due to climate change, said Roxy Matthew Cole, a climate scientist at the Indian Institute of Tropical Meteorology. Quote, the question has become obsolete and a frequent distraction from working towards a climate solution. Abdus Sattar, 70, a former village mayor in northeastern Bangladesh, is not a climate scientist, but he, has, he, had, he had no trouble putting the scale of the latest floods in historical context. Quote, I have never seen a flood like this, said Mr. Sattar, who was sheltering on Thursday in the same covert, converted school building as Ms. Bagum. Quote, my father used to tell me many stories of their struggles, but he never told me about anything like this flood. It has ruined many of the villagers. Miss Begum, her mother and her three children, aged 4 to 10, fled to the schoolhouse in Pekarhal uh, after their home was washed away in June, on June 17th. Her husband has been in Saudi Arabia for the last six months looking for a job in construction. Their schoolhouse shelter, which sits in a submerged area accessible only by boat, has one toilet for about 190 families. Wow. The sacks of rice that some flood victims brought have been made have made it even more crowded. When she arrived, Miss Begum had no provisions because she had left her home in such a hurry. Initially, her family had to drink flood water. She said they also did not eat for two days until another family shared a meal with them. They now have a small stockpile of rice, sugar, and bottled water provided by aid workers, Miss Begum said, but her children still cry. My mother says I'm a beautiful woman, she said, but in the last week, I became ugly. This is a really messed up situation. They lost everything. Uh, the refugees, like they're they're eating rice and sugar, like there's no protein. It's just, uh, just fucked up, man. And this is just what's happening for them. Like again, like that guy, he said, because this is a region that historically has always dealt with flooding, but like they're saying, like, no, we've never seen anything like this. Like the elders are like, this is nothing like we've ever seen. So you know, if if all these elders are sharing their experiences about their upbringing and how uh, there's a very clear difference. In terms of weather events, maybe something's happening. Who knows? Again, you know, you never really pay attention to the indigenous peoples and like their connection with the land. They're far more connected with the land and the weather events and the climate. So when they're saying that something's off, it's kind of just like, ah, well, where's your science, you know? Right. So, right, you know, I'm talking about, you know, flooding. And so I also wanted to talk about some other uh, flooding events that have been happening, you know, within the United States. And so uh, there have been flooding events and flash flooding in New Mexico. It's like kind of crazy. They're just like getting washed out. Um, so I'm bringing from KO18, uh, which is like a local source uh, near Albuquerque, or just Roswell is what we're reporting, saying that... Uh, heavy rains fell over Roswell on Sunday, leaving one bridge collapsed and at least a dozen homes underwater as floodwaters rose. According to the KOAT7 weather team, some areas of Roswell, Roswell saw one to three inches of rainfall in a short amount of time. Roswell city officials are calling the event a 100-year flood after 3.3 inches of rainfall fell in only one hour's time. Uh, the National Weather Service reports one small bridge collapse. How is cat? <laughs> Uh, sorry. Uh, the National Weather Service reports one small bridge collapsed due to floodwaters near Miscalero Road and Lahara Road. The NWS also reported at least 12 homes were flooded in the Hollywood Loop subdivision. The emergency crews diverted water from the diverted water through cinder block walls to try and alleviate flooding in the subdivision. Sand and sandbags are available at 320E Alameda in Roswell. 
you will need to bring your own shovel to fill the sandbags. Do not attempt to drive through floodwaters. Okay. Yeah, so, right, uh, let's see what else. Okay, but yeah, no, this is, um, there's a short little, off oh, no. <laughs> no, there's um little uh, quick article about the situation. But yeah, uh, that's, you know, as I said, it's a 100-year flood, and it's just crazy what we're seeing now. There's a stark difference. Um, we get, like, you know, periods and periods of drought, no rain, and then the rain comes, and it's just a downpour. So, again, it's just an extreme of on every, on every side in terms of weather. So that's um, their situation in New Mexico. And again, you know, they were dealing with wildfires not too long ago, and now they're getting flooding. And Yeah, it's, you know... That's what it is, you know. Again, like, and again, as I said, you know, some of these areas, like Roswell, that's pretty remote. It's a pretty remote part of the state. So, like, you know, a small bridge collapsing, you know, getting washed away, that could really disrupt uh, transportation. And yeah, man, like, you know, it's um, those people are out there, man. It's the boons out there. So, like, they need it, all the roads working, right? So, speaking on flooding, so I've talked about flooding, and now I want to gear more towards droughts, heat, uh, wildfires and such. And so uh, specifically talking about my state. So I've been kind of, you know, talking about different, th my theories about different events for the summer. And so I was talking about, again, because like it's either an extreme, it's either going to be heat and drought or uh, raining, you know, uh, flooding, monsoons. So right now, well, actually there have been some rain, like, like right now, there are some uh, weather storms passing through not in my area at least because we definitely need some rain but it's just like little pockets of thunderstorms maybe later in the week we'll get some rain hopefully but again i don't want flash flooding so let's just hope for that oh wow actually that's a pretty big system but it's like moving away from where i'm at so i'm, I'm looking at the radar but uh yeah so we'll see about later in the week hopefully we can get some rain because it's getting pretty dry like the, the grass is pretty dead um yeah but the heat's been bad like it's been a hundred plus for the last couple of days, and then of course with the humidity, it makes it like, you know, like a hundred six, a hundred seven. Sometimes it's hot, it's hot, man. Like even when I'm out in the, because uh, sometimes I still got to do DoorDash, and yeah, my my AC doesn't work, oh, whatever. It's like, like I'll be in the the shade, and so I'm fine, but my phone is overheating just from the air temperature alone. That's how hot it is. So it's like I can do DoorDash in the heat, no problem. But my phone—that's that's what's preventing me from doing the work that I need to do. And again, I do have my nine to five, but it's like I, I can't do forty hours straight. It's just—it's so mind-numbing, and then it also takes away from the work that I can do for the podcast and research. And so it's just like I'm trying to make up for it, but then it's just the heat makes it impossible for me to do uh, side work. Anyway, you know, I, I know it sounds like I'm making excuses and I'm trying to hustle, but if my phone wasn't overheating, I'd be doing a lot of work. So, again, you know, we're just in this drought situation. Uh, hopefully, we can get some rain to cool things down. So, right, um, and I'm reading from the Houston Public Media, and so they're talking about uh, nearly 80% of Texas is experiencing a drought or drought conditions. And so, about 80% of Texas is currently experiencing some level of drought conditions ranging from moderate to exceptional. The drought, which caused wildfires across the state earlier this year and prompted a ban burn ban, is now negatively affecting farmers and ranchers. 
A lack of rain during the spring resulted in lower crop production and decreased soil moisture levels with no signs of relief. Quote, this is a tough situation, Tracy Tomsick from the Texas Farm Bureau told Houston Matters on Monday. Comparing this year to the historic, historic, to the historic Texas drought in 2011, quote, it's something that we hope we'd all put in the back of our minds, but this year it has a little sting to it. Hay supply is down and 78% of the wheat supply in Texas is in poor or very poor condition. Wow. Uh, it's as bad as it's been since 2011, if not worse, it, or it's a Texas state climatologist, John Nielsen Gammon, uh, said about the state's wheat supply, quote, 2011 was a wake-up call. I think that experience will be a considerable help this time around. Uh, Tom Six said that the farmers are monitoring their crops, focusing on drought-tolerant corn and grain crops varieties. Quote, to be in agriculture, you've got to constantly be flexible, Tom Six said. Because of the shortage of hay, many ranchers and farmers are starting to sell their herds in order, quote, in order to maintain good conservation practices of the land. Livestock have been uh, have to be reduced, Tomsic said, adding that agricultural supply chain has faced disruptions as ingredients have been removed, straining the system. Quote, it is not just a COVID issue, it's a drought issue as well. Set talking about the supply chain problems. May and June are typically the wettest months of the year in Texas and are prime months for plant growth. Hungry plants and no rain can quickly lead to a bad situation. It's a flash drought, quote uh, Nielsen Gammon, uh, said about the combination of factors working together to cause Texas's current weather conditions and agricultural obstacles. The drought is also causing water supply issues statewide as officials ask residents to conserve water. Quote, the way the weather pattern looks, it's going to be like... Uh, that for a while, Nelson Gammon said. While Houston has not been severely affected by drought conditions, Nelson Gammon said that could change. Qu quote, coastal areas have been fairly dry and with high temperatures, the dryness is spreading over the whole area now. Currently, more than 140 counties across Texas have implemented burn bans, including neighboring Liberty, San Jacinto, Walker County, which is where I'm at, uh, Grimes, Waller, Galveston County. And yes, we have a, we have a Grimes County. <laughs> so, Chew on that, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah, that's uh, what we're at right now. I mean, like, it's not like it, it's bad, you know. The, we're, we're certainly feeling it, but it's not getting. Uh, I, I don't know how to describe it because, like, there's still plenty of green, and some of these trees and plants are still good. But now it's starting to to affect. And July and August are typically also very hot months, and so. That is when we could see some issues um, climate-wise or, you know, dealing with forest fires possibly. I don't know. I, I um, Earlier in the year, I did see some uh, burnings. I, I'm pretty sure they did some controlled burnings um, in the, the national forest. I mean, like Huntsville is like literally in the middle of two national forests. So, like, we're, you know, it, I like this area because there's more green. Like, I, I can't go to Houston. Like, I just can't. Like, I didn't even go to Houston for my birthday. I just, I can't. It, it's too much. But it's nice to be in an area where there's green. But then on the flip side, now that we're entering a drought situation, that uh, could increase the chances for a forest fire. So that's something I'm going to have to keep an eye on. And again, like, I feel kind of unprepared because, like, I do have sensitive uh, respiratory, uh, like, you know, like earlier, like with this um, pollen, because we get bad pollen out here. Like, I almost had an asthma attack. Like, that's how bad it can get. And so I'm very sensitive in terms of uh, breathing air quality. So uh, a forest fire with all that smoke and soot, like 
that could really mess me up. Um, so, and again, but I'm not in a position to get a gas mask at the moment. So, um, I've seen resources to make an improvising mask. So that might be something I have to do. But again, I have to monitor the situation and hope that there's some rain that comes down uh, come soon. But then of course, when that rain comes, it's probably going to be a downpour, a deluge. So it's just like, uh. but yeah, you know, it's funny too. Cause like, um, in the 2011, uh, drought that we had, which is bad. Uh, I remember going to Lake Travis and just seeing how like low the water was. Like that was wild. It was like over a hundred feet of just evaporated water. It's crazy. But yeah, no, uh, the, the governor at the time, Rick Perry, he had a national day of prayer. <laughs> so I imagine this is something Greg Abbott's going to do soon. If things get really bad, we'll have a national day for the rain. Oh, yes. Pray for the rain. It's just like the look at Indians doing a rain dance. Ah, look at these savages. Oh, pray for the rain. Lord, please. <laughs> and I also saw some other video. I think, I don't know if it was Texas, but it was one of those red states where like, there was a guy, he was praying at his AC unit. <laughs> it's just like, and like, and like, it was done in a way where it's like, this has to be a parody. Like, if this is a parody, this is like the perfect troll. Cause it's just like, there's no way anybody seriously would do that. But no, it seems like that was a genuine uh, thing for the guy. He was praying for the AC unit, you know, oh, we need guidance. So I need to pray for strength and I need to. <laughs> oh my goodness man yeah man these folks are in for a rude awakening uh with this heat but of course like there's no real self-reflection oh what global warming watch when there's a fucking blizzard that passes through oh oh you were talking about global warming but look there's snow oh look at that checkmate yeah there was uh there was like a hail that um there was a hailstorm Slash snowstorm in New Mexico City like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> like, oh, checkmate. Look at that. There's a snowball in June. Ha ha ha. No climate change. <laughs> it's just, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, well. I mean, it sucks for those farmers. They got to deal with a lot. I mean, and again, like, it's like, it's kind of funny because a lot of these farmers are conservative minded and like, they're not like you guys are literally watching the effects of climate change in front of you. And then it's still just like, well, I'm not a scientist. Okay. Listen, I'm not a scientist. All right. But this, this climate change thing kind of sounds kind of iffy. It's like, I'm not a scientist, but I'm not going to listen to the scientists. So I'm just going to say that. So that way I can like appeal to other anti-intellectuals, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. You're not a fucking nerd. <laughs> yeah. So that's Texas. And again, you know, I, I'm looking because when it comes to like, I because I, I don't want to live in Texas, first off, like never mind the climate effects that are going to get worse here. Uh, I just don't want to live in Texas because this is going to turn uh, more and more and deeper into a fascist police state more than already is. It's like all the GOP people are leaving like, like California and all these blue areas. They're, they're coming to Texas. All right. They're not going to Mississippi or Alabama. They're not going to Georgia. They're going to Texas. And this place is going to get bad, like, really soon. This is going to get really bad. It, it truly feels like it's, like, a bad day away from deliverance. Yeah. It's, um, and I know that's Appalachian, but whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's, uh, and again, you know, I, again, every time, like, I have these conversations with, like, because people always want to talk about the guns that I have that I sold already, but they still always have to bring it up because, oh, you're wasting your money. Oh, 
It's like, you know what? I can't afford to get lynched, okay? Like, I can't just be like, oh, okay, I guess I'll die. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? My goodness, man. Oh, no, the police will protect you, sure. Right, okay. <laughs> it's just fucking ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, I am worried about violence out here. I really am. I am worried about it. Because uh, the state GOP, they had a platform. They had a whole, like, uh, convention earlier. And secession is on the platform. It is. Now, of course, it's one of those things that, like, they're not really serious about it. They just put it out there so they can be like, oh, look, we're, you know. It's like, from what I've, like, some theories I've read in the comments, it's like, they put that there to distract from other things in their platform. Because that is so outlandish and so out there. But, like, there are some people that really want to see, like they do. They really want to do that. Now, of course, the urban centers would never allow that. But, uh, you know, again, even if there was a referendum vote, uh, they would probably just end up being an insurgency of some kind. Like, they would, like, dude, like, this place is a power keg, okay? And that's why I want to fucking leave. You know, because I'm talking about climate change. And, you know, I have to consider, you know, I have to move to an area, as I was saying, that is progressive, left-leaning, where there's a stronghold, but also considering the climate effects and the, the you know, the mark is 2050. So what uh, what are the climate effects going to be in this area? What is this cat doing? I mean, I'm sorry if you hear a litter box, but by 2050, what are the conditions going to be? And so I was thinking about Colorado, but now looking at uh, some of these climate models and also just taking into consideration like the fresh water and such, it's like, you know what? Uh, those conditions around Albuquerque are certainly going to extend into to Colorado. And, you know, uh, there's no, like, uh, it's like, it's a landlocked region, you know, and, you know, it's on the, you know, because, you know, those mountain systems, what happens is that all the evaporation vapor from the ocean, it falls, like, think of it like, so the right side, the left side is the ocean side, and the right side is the land, the continental side. And so the ocean side is going to get all the precipitation and then the continental side will be just arid and desert. And that's where Colorado is. It's on that continental side. So that's just, uh, again, because I was thinking, oh, yeah, Colorado, I like mountains. I like, you know, I like smoking pot. <laughs> um, but now I'm just thinking like, no, wait, climate effects might make that place into a, a wasteland, a desert. So i got to go back to the drawing board and see what regions I can move to. Uh, you know, considering the political situation and uh, climate effects. So I read somewhere that um, the Great Lakes region uh, would be a good place to move to. So who knows? But again, I kind of want to live more like rurally. rurally. Like I want to have my own land. So I don't want to go to like the Rust Belt region. But I still want to be at least close to civilization. So I don't know. I was thinking maybe Upper Peninsula, Michigan. It's like Think about it. It's just is a choke point, and that's that's assuming that like I'm able to partner up with other people. And yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Again, it's just like where are you gonna move? And of course, I can't do things alone. Like I would like to partner up, but then again, it's just like I'm a communist doomer, so it's just like it's pretty hard to form uh, connections and such. But anyway, so that's uh, Texas. I kind of just went off on a tangent, but uh, before I finish up with the main show, I'm gonna. Uh, wrap up with some other uh, wildfire uh, situations, uh, mainly in New Jersey. And so the East Coast doesn't usually have 
uh, wildfires like this is not really known for that, but now we're seeing it. So a rating from NBC Philadelphia, another wildfire burned in southern New Jersey forest, but this was quickly contained. The New Jersey Forest Fire Service first reported the blaze in the Brandon T. Byron State Forest off Pasadena Road in Woodland and Manchester Townships Sunday afternoon, but late Sunday night, the fire had reached 300 acres in size and was 50% contained. By Monday morning, the flames and smoke could be seen from the forest as Sky Force 10 hovered overhead. Around 10 a.m., fire crews had the blaze 100% contained at 315 acres of forest land. You could see some smoke, however, the Forest Fire Service said. So, yeah, no injuries were reported. The Byron Fire, or the yeah, Byron Fire remained much smaller than another recent South Jersey fire. This latest wildfire came more than a week after a fire broke out in the Wharton State Forest, along with along the Mullica River in the Pines Barren sections of Burlington County. That fire, which officials believe could have been caused by an illegal campfire, burned thirteen and a half thousand acres of forest fire or state forest in Burlington County in a small part of Atlantic County. Uh, the search for the cause of the barn forest fire continued Monday. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, they were saying that there was a another forest fire that uh, was pretty more significant caused by illegal campfires. And so, again, you know, the East Coast isn't really known for, you know, situations like this. This is a pretty, uh, yeah, pretty, you know, uh, or I would say unprecedented, but still, it's just something to get used to because, you know, things are going to get more arid and, uh, yeah, there's going to be changes in the East Coast and other parts of the country that haven't experienced wildfires like this, you know. Conditions are getting drier and vegetation is getting, uh, you know, crispier. There's more fuel and, you know, sometimes they don't fully uh, clean out the undergrowth, you know, the fuel. So that usually is what accelerates those fires. Again, you know, that's what they had. So uh, that's really what I have for now. Again, um, you know, we are, you know, watching these things occur and just trying to follow them as they happen. And so uh, we're just really in an unprecedented time, especially, you know, I was talking about uh, abortions and, you know, Roe v. Wade getting overturned. So it's not just the climate issues that are happening, but it's also the political one. And again, you know, there's just this attitude of just, well, you know what? Uh, you need to stop complaining and you just need to focus on yourself. Who cares if women's rights are being stripped away? Who cares if oh, working people are drowning in debt? You know, you just got to shut the fuck up, you little bitch. You know, and you just got to you gotta work. You just work and you stop complaining and you just, you know, it's just like, what's the point? We're not going to improve things? Like, like, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, if... If there were like lions and tigers released every like five or ten years and then they just eat eight people in the street, eight homeless people, you know, eight, eight people just trying to go to you know grocery stores. And then there's a lion just like eating people. And we're like, hey, um, and it's not even like a natural occurring event. Like there's just some billionaire who's paying off the police and military to be like, yeah, I'm going to release um, I want to release lions and people are going to die. And here, just don't do anything. I'll pay you. Like that's like like I mean I'm just speaking figuratively, and if like that were happening, and like we said, hey, like no other country has lions and tigers eating people in the street. Maybe we should change this. Oh, why don't you just go to fucking China? Why don't you just go to Cuba? Stop complaining. Stop being a whiny bitch. 
Just go to work and focus on yourself and stop it. Just shut up. I don't want to change. All right. Change is scary. So who cares if people are getting eaten in the street? <laughs> That's the attitude. Again, like at the end of the day, it's just the, the question of why. Why do you not want to fix anything? Why do you why do you want people to I'm not, I'm not speaking to you, listener. I'm just like like whenever you're dealing with somebody like this, just like, you know, if you want to have if you're actually going to debate them, just just ask them, why do you want working people to drown in medical debt? Why do you want people to drown in school debt? Why do you want people to be working wages that don't meet the standard of living? I mean, they never were. And now things are getting more expensive and they're still not going to raise wages. They're not. And people are going to get laid off and people are, it's just a cycle, which is just like, like, why? Because life is good for you right now, so you don't have to think about other people suffering because it's their fault. Oh, yeah, no, everything is personal responsibility, right? You know, oh, Gabe, you're 26 years old and, you know, you should have already had your act together by now. You should have already figured this this out by now. You know, it's like. It's like my whole life, all I've ever done is, you know, tried my best and, you know, tried to, it's like riding a bike on like this pothole, like gravel road. And then it's like, oh, well, you, you haven't figured things out by now. You're 26 year old here. I'm going to slash your tires and just, there you go. Figure it out now. <laughs> it's like, that's what it feels like. I don't know. Again, I, I get kind of like personal, uh, you know, actually I have been doing, um, Counseling sessions. I've been talking with counseling sessions. Uh, it's actually kind of a different thing because it's like I'm talking to a, a master's uh, student. So there's some like discrepancies, but hey, you know, I need to talk to somebody. <laughs> and it's uh, certainly nice at least that it's because um, it's, it's a woman my age, a young woman my age. And she's nice, but again, I have to keep it professional. I don't want to turn into a Tony Soprano, Dr. Melfi thing. <laughs> like, I don't want that. It's just... Uh, it's just nice to have a safe space and talk to somebody who gets it, or at the very least isn't going to be judgmental when I tell them, you know, certain poor decisions I've made in my life. I don't know. I mean, that's all we really need sometimes, just somebody to talk to, right? But, uh, yeah, you know, and it's funny too, I mean, if you've listened to this far, like, um, it's funny, like, oh, my birthday was the other day, um, and, uh, so the day before, I was like doing my remote work on the computer, and then all of a sudden my power cuts out. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like what? And then what it turned out is, because um, I moved into a sublease, and so this is like one of those situations where like they probably did tell me this, but I had to deal with so much and like there's a mountain of work to do that like it just slipped my mind, and then like shit hit the fan. So like. So the people that I had moved into, uh, the, who had had the sublease for this place, uh, they were paying for the energy. I had no idea. I thought I was just paying my bills, and then I would just go straight in. Uh, but no, like I, you have, we have to pay the, I have to pay the bills separately, the energy bill. I thought it was already included. Then I look over at the lease agreement. Yeah, no, it's it's separate. Okay, that's my fault. But again, you know, I didn't fully understand it until the power got cut off right in the middle of work, me working. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I go to the front office. I'm like, hey, my power's out. And they're like, oh, yeah, you got to set up an account with Entergy. I'm like, what the fuck? But, I mean, they said they told me, and they probably did. Uh, whatever, okay? And um, 
then I had to call Entergy and set up an account. And then these guys were like, okay, well, um, we have to put you through the verification process, which can take up to two days. And uh, yeah, we can't really fast track anything. So uh, yeah, you're just going to be without power for an unspecified amount of time. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, dude, my food's going to go bad. Like, and they're just like, yes, though, we understand that's very unfortunate. Um, but unfortunately, there's nothing we can do. It's just like, oh, God damn it. So uh, I am. Um, and again, you know, the whole time I'm thinking like, yeah, okay, it's my fault. All right, whatever, you know, it's just bullshit. Um, and uh, I went to visit my friend. So we're like, we, were, we were scheduling for him to come over, you know, because it was my birthday weekend. We we're going to chill out and smoke and all whatever. Uh, but oh, shit, okay, I have no power, so I can't have him over. So I went to go over uh, him and his partner's place. And uh, yeah, we hung out and it was nice. Uh, I got to watch some Better Call Saul. That was a, that's a really good show. I didn't finish that. It's a really good show. Um, but yeah, but I was able to get my power back and my food didn't go bad. I, I, I brought some like some basic stuff over to their place so it wouldn't spoil. But the food that I did live behind is okay now. So that's like a huge relief because the food situation that I was uh, upset about. But yeah, man, just that just that 24 hour period where I had to like, you know, because I couldn't necessarily, I had to wait a day for them to, to have me over. Just that period alone of me, like, without air conditioning was torture. Like, I had a fan, so luckily I was able to have some, like, this little, like, you know, I had, like, a little clamp so I could, like, place it on a ledge and then I would have air in my face. Wow, man. Like, just, just already in, like, the, the first, like, hour, like, I, I could feel it. I'm just like, oh, my God. How do homeless people survive in this? And I'm like, I'm like... You know, there's no air conditioning, but luckily I'm, like, in an enclosed space with shade. And even at a certain point, like, at night, when I went out to just, like, you know, throw some trash out, it was cooler outside than it was in my room. Like, that's... Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I was having to deal with. But luckily my power is back, and I don't have to worry about that at the moment. And actually I was looking um, online um, because, uh, you know... Texas has these rolling blackouts, especially with the heat. You know, it, yeah, you can't can't have power in the heat or the cold. Great system, but uh, I was actually looking at it, and so the area that I'm in is uh, actually independent. I think I believe from the ERCOT system, it's it's Entergy, which is uh, centered around like Louisiana and uh, Arkansas. So we're our, I think we're I'm pretty sure we're basically our own thing. We're not connected with the main Texas grid. Which is really interesting, and it actually explains a lot. Because during the winter blizzard that we had, uh, I had the power back pretty quickly. Actually, it was a uh, like less than forty-eight hours. The power was back, which is, you know, good. I mean, like that was able. I was able to like, you know, but by that point, like I was, you know, keeping myself warm with uh, firewood, and it, like at, at that point, I was starting to feel the pinch. I'm like, okay, this is a this is a bad situation. Let's get the power back, and then it came back. So I was lucky, and then I had um. Man, if only I had somebody there with me so they can, like, you know, avow to this. But, like, I was, like, uh, melting. I was scraping down all the snow on my car and melting it down. And I had the mini Sawyer filters and uh, using that to filter it down. I had a whole assembly system going. And I was, like, up, like, almost, like, 20 hours just melting down snow, getting the clean water. Because, again, because the power, I didn't know if the power was going to go out any second. So, like, I just, I just kept working straight. And it's just, like... If only people could have seen the work that I was putting in um, and, you know, the fact that I, I, you know, had my shit together. I had my stuff ready. 
And then when the crisis hit, I was ready to address it. And then I, I keep talking about the situation a lot. It's just like, it's like when people think I'm a doomer and like I'm a prepper, it's like a lot of people who get the bad idea about me, about like, oh, you're just going to be on the street and you're going to shoot people. What the fuck? No. Like my first objective always is to connect with neighbors and form a group. Again, like I might have my social quirks, but you know, it's just like, I, I don't want to be useless. I want to be useful. I want to, I want to help. I do. I want to help out my neighbors and make sure they're okay. So, you know, it's, it's kind of hard sometimes because people are always on edge, especially if you're uh, say neurodivergent, maybe ADHD, autistic, and yeah, or, you know, you're dealing with stress and anxiety issues, self-image issues. And so it's kind of hard to, you know, make connections. It really is. And then, you know, that's why I get worried about a crisis SHTF situation out here. Cause like, you know, I try to be polite with my neighbors. Sometimes they give me like the side eye or something like that. And it's just like, I, I don't know what else to do to, you know, to let their guard down. Cause again, people will get very suspicious if you're a quiet person. It's like, Oh, what's he doing? Oh, Oh, and it's just like, so I get worried about uh, an SHTF situation out here because it's like uh, a lot of the times people, they just want to, like, if they think that you're a threat and uh, the rule of law goes out the window, uh, they just don't want to take a chance with you and they'll just try to get rid of you. And so that's why I get so uh, worried about my uh, personal defenses and such. Uh, I don't really have, you know, my friends left out of town, so it's like I'm back to square one socially and Again, you know, a lot of the kids out here, they don't, they, they see a guy like me and they think, oh, this guy only talks about politics and economics. And it's like, hey, man, you know, why don't you talk about, I don't know. It's just like, I, I feel so disconnected sometimes. Anyway, I'm, I'm just like rambling on. I'm just talking. I mean, if you're listening at this point, thank you for putting up with me. But I'm going to sign off now because um, I need to, you know, handle my life at the moment. But yeah, you know, I'm with my kitty cat. <laughs> And I, you know, as I said, you know, I picked her up from uh, the, uh, the boarding, you know, vet clinic. So she's been all over me today. Hey, let me see if you can listen to her purring. Let's see. Can you hear that? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, she's such a baby. I know. But anyway, um, appreciate the time uh, that you have with me and listen to me ramble on. And so, you know, moving forward, I'm really trying to, you know, find some stability. Hopefully, because I, I still have to register for this class and or for my classes the fall semester. Hopefully, I can get that sorted out. But yeah, you know, that's just life right now. And, uh, just trying to get my registration in. But life is good, as you can hear. This, this little girl is content. She is loud. Hold on. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening. And again, you know, um, if you have reached this far, I highly encourage you to check out my Patreon. So it's all $1. You know, if you want 48 hour, hours access, all I ask is for $1. Uh, then you can get the early access there. Again, I only have one person. Okay. So thanks to you. You're... You are my, you're my dude. <laughs> but anyway, you know, you can definitely be a part of the club and definitely help out and get early access. Again, I know I'm cringe sometimes, but hey, no, uh, we all got to live. So, yeah, so check that out. 
yeah, and thank you again for tuning in. Have a blessed day. And hey, you know, and I especially want to talk to any female listeners listening. I I know things are scary. Um, and I know it's really hard to trust men sometimes because, like, I was talking to my cousin and she was telling me about all these guys all of a sudden that, like, she had known for years. All of a sudden now they're kind of, like, forcing themselves upon her. So it's like, what the fuck? Like, it's just like, again, like... Eh, I'm not, I don't feel the need to apologize on behalf of all men because that, that would be a little cringy, but it's more just like, I know right now there's darkness. At the same time, this is the way that you've had to live for a long time. I mean, this is just the way, uh, fortunately, women have had to live. Uh, now it's more on the nose and there is a war on women. And so, you know, again, I just want to, I just want to add that note because it's just like, it's sad. It's really sad the way things are. And then, you know, it's just like, and then for a woman, it's like, you can have a guy friend in your life and then just one day, just like a, a, fl- a switch flips and then he's something else. And, you know, and again, I, I haven't been always on my best behavior either. So that's like, not like harassment or like threatening, but it's still just like, you know, like it, it sucks when like you, you've had your own issues in terms of like dating or relationships with women and it's just like and then you have to reflect on it just like fuck like i'm not i have to do better and also not only that like dealing with guy friends who might like you know make side comments you know like they might just like casually call a girl a woman a bitch and it's just like what the fuck like and again i'm now speaking to guys like we we have to do better we have to stand up to that. If we hear sort certain comments, certain uh, behaviors, again, like some guys will just like put up with their uh, guy friend just being like a creep, just like outright creep, and they're just like, oh yeah, he's just a he's just joking. It's just like, no, he's not. Anyway, so again, appreciate the time for listening, and hopefully, life is uh, you know, hopefully you can find something to look forward to. Because I know things are bleak and we are deep in fascism now. Like it's no longer, uh, it's no longer something that can be hidden. It's just, it's what it is. So again, just do what you can locally. Yeah. Thank you for your time and have a great day.